And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> oh, no, I got no. Go with it. Go with it. That's yep, yep, part yep. of what I do. Okay, you're just mixing it up Yeah, today. All right, let's just see it. if you're paying attention. <laughs> well, 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 Dave. Welcome to Down on the Docks. How are you, buddy? Pretty good. How are you? Guys, that's my uh, producer and co-host, Dave Sarah. You got to keep him on his toes. Every and once in a while. Of course, you know me. I'm Chris Neff. Welcome to episode 36 of Down on the Docks. Um, if you're just discovering our podcast, we thank you and invite you to follow us on our social media platforms, Down on the Docks on Twitter and Down on the Docks Pod on Instagram. And of course, if you want to go deep and meet some great people, join our Discord. And a lot of people once in a while, they'll be like, hey, your Discord link doesn't work. And I'm like, yeah, and I told Dave to fix it. It works. Okay, sometimes it works. And then I'm just like, just DM me and I'll send you a private link and we'll get I'll, you in I'll there. make sure, but I'm pretty sure it works. Sometimes, yeah. You know, it's okay. the internet. It's nobody's fault. You, know? you got to have an account first yeah. and then you then click the link again. But the whole point is we're glad you're here. Um, this week's episode, Dave, if you don't mind, tell our listeners who this week's episode is sponsored by. This week's episode of Down the Docks is brought to you by Broccoli Farms, established in 2016 in San Diego, California by cannabis entrepreneur Anthony Bird. Broccoli Farms is a modern take on cannabis brands around the world. By combining new terminology involving cannabis worldwide, Anthony created a cannabis brand that uniquely represents the entire cannabis industry as one, Broccoli Farms. The lowest delivery minimum in San Diego. Fair prices and quality products makes Broccoli Farms one of the best deliveries in San Diego for almost a decade. Be sure to mention down in the docks, that's D-O-C-S, podcast for 15% off your next order, along with an FTP, gifts and rewards. What's FTP all FTP about, stands for first time patient, dummy. Oh, got it. Check them out today on Instagram at Broccoli Farms 619. Love the Broccoli Farms. All righty. Well, are you ready to get into a new episode of Down on the Docks, Dave Sarah? Ba-boom. Okay. Uh, this week's episode is titled, Shut Up, Little Man. Uh-oh. Uh, an audio misadventure, it's subtitled. Uh, it was written and directed by Matthew Bate. And released in 2011. Uh-huh, son of Kathy Bates, sure. Uh, no. No? No. Nope. Oh, okay. Nope. Um, so before I get into this, I got to let you know something. I love, you know me, prep preparation. H for your butt? <laughs> Boy, that was a tee shot, and you mm -hmm. knocked it out of the park. <laughs> I love preparing a good podcast with a strong outline, well-crafted notes, and usually, you know, I'll find my docs and then if I find some source material, I'll write it out. And sometimes I'll use like a Google transcribe method to get a base. Well, sometimes you get a documentary where there's so much overlapping dialogue. You're mm -hmm. like, there's just no fucking way. Right. So thank God it was Easter weekend and I had nothing to do right. except crank through mm -hmm. all this overlapping dialogue. It's a very, very interesting process just getting this 
ready to air. So I want you yeah. to know. No, for sure. I mean, you guys don't see it, but Chris has a stack of 30 to 40 pages in front of him every week. <laughs> I am not asking I'm not for joking. anybody to pat, pat me on my back, no. but I'm going to tell you this. Leave a review. Yes, please leave us a five, review. Five-star review. Yes, because this was the most difficult transcription I've ever worked on in my life. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see how that flows. Sure. So anyway, when you what you see is you see... Um, uh, you don't see anything yet. It's over black. You hear the sound of a tape rewinding. Yep. Yep. Paul's not dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, remember when you late would hook up Dark Side of the Moon? Yeah. To uh, <clears throat> to uh, Wizard, uh, Wizard of Oz, yeah. And play it backwards, it's not then, backwards. You just play it forward. Uh, oh yeah, and then Satan gave you the path. That's the, the other darkness. one. That's a different no. one. No, the black, the the backwards was the Led Zeppelin one. The the, oh. the dark side of the moon is forward with right. Wizard of Oz. Right, but right. what happens? Don't you get to talk to Satan? No, no I think that's the, I think the Satan talking to oh. you is the is the Led Zeppelin. So what one. happens believe, when you do the dark side of the moon? It's one. just fun. Like you just it sinks it up. It sinks up. Yeah, it's pretty okay. cool. It, it works. There's okay. a there's a YouTube video of it, and it you go through it twice. Uh, okay, and it's pretty. It's good. It's, do you do it sober? Or do you do it on drugs? Fuck no. <laughs> Who the fuck does anything sober? Is what I want. Buddy, to we know. wouldn't have a show if you didn't get. Goddamn right about that. All right, well, maybe that'll be a side project we'll yes. work on. Somebody should make a documentary about the people that watch it and do that. That would be pretty cool to to watch. Hey, now. Oh, I think we got something going. Hey anyway, now. so you hear the uh, the tape in reverse, and then we see um, two words on the screen. The words are audio verite. You ever hear of those words? No. You've heard I of mean, audio. I mean, for audio, but not verite, I don't know. So the term is used to describe real-life recordings that are taken surreptitiously, made surreptitiously, mm. found sounds and phone pranks. So we hear the uh, the sound of a phone ringing and a guy answers. He's like, hello. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, is this uh, the two bar? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, can I speak to Al? Caholic, please. Stupid. <laughs> yes. All right, Bart. Yeah. And he's like, the guy answers he's like, what are you trying to do? Make a jerk of yourself. And then you hear the tape click. So we have an example. Then we hear another example in Orson Welles, the famous, yeah. fa very famous actor. Mm -hmm. Well, he used to do... Um, uh, what Prank do you phone call? calls? No. <laughs> he used to he do... He was the first crank yankers? <laughs> he, was, he used to do ads, yeah. uh, audio ads. Yeah. And you hear him, he's pissed. He's like, come on, fellas, you're losing your heads. And the guy's like, Orson, you did six last year and by far and away the best. And I know the reason. The right reading for this is the one I'm giving it. He's pissed. <laughs> yeah. We hear the tape click. Right. So then we hear another recording, and uh, guy says, so if I come down there and you call the police when I get there, you're recording me? Woman, so what? Why are you recording me? Tape clicks. And then we hear another uh, tape. Double fucking bullshit, motherfucking <laughs> dog licking, goddammit bullshit. And that's all Orson Welles? No. Oh, it's okay. another clip. Oh, okay. So then we rewind the tape again, and we see the landscape of San Francisco with the Golden Gate Bridge in Boom. the foreground. Mm -hmm. We're going to fade into 1987. Cool. We're going to meet a I gentleman. I was one year old. I was 12. Yeah. Uh, we're going to meet a gentleman. But who goes by Eddie Lee Sausage? Eddie Lee Sausage. That's one of the main main guys in the movie, and he says the way we found two thirty seven Steiner was I think Mitch found a little ad in a classified paper. Well, we see this classified ad. 
it's an advertisement for a two-bedroom apartment for $650 a month in the lower hate ashbury district damn son i wish we had those prices still dude i was looking last night at those prices to buy, no to buy oh you can't get in hate ashbury for less than two million now which, so, I, which is weird because you can there's you can barely get into montebello for 1.5 it's true um but anyway it's advertised as a good neighborhood most importantly on a quiet street so eddie says we made our way down uh to the sort of nice neighborhood uh, where we're staying and we're creeping along and I'm going, oh, wow, we might live in one of these cool buildings. And then we pull up and there was this totally ramshackle shithole of a place. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to meet his buddy, Mitch, uh, who ends up being his roommate. He says, yeah, when we were uh, first saw the place, it was this gaudy pink color. Uh, what did it remind us of? I don't remember who coined it, but we came up with the uh, term Pepto-Bismol Palace. <laughs> Because Pepto-Bismol is a classic kind of antacid, anti-diarrhea mm-hmm. medicine. Uh, it's a uh, upset stomach, diarrhea. <laughs> or is it, so it's, um, it's something into... I can't remember. Yeah, they make those Pepto-Bismol commercials really should, happy and fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. like, hey, yeah. you want to have some fun and not yeah. shit? You yeah. want to be able to sing and dance like us? I remember them like repeating the word diarrhea twice like it was a fucking chorus. Like, upset stomach, yeah, diarrhea... Diarrhea. And some like guy has making, to go in there and record mm-hmm. multiple takes of the word diarrhea. Yep, diarrhea. Diarrhea. So, a fun fact about me: when I first started stand up, I would not go on stage okay. without a bottle of Pepto Bismol in my pocket because I would always get nervous and I would slam Pepto Bismol yeah. before I go <clears> on stage. Heartburn, acid indigestion. <laughs> oh, damn it. Heartburn, some fuck. You don't need by, to the, by, the end, by the end of the episode, I'll have it. You know what? That could be for the Discord. Suck dick. So, dude. anyway, Eddie says we're going to sign the lease. Well, the absentee landlord, um, she stepped out of the apartment. She said, I'll never forget it. Uh, and she turned after the lease was signed and she said, One more thing. The next door neighbors, sometimes a little bit loud. A little bit loud. Well, it's Nancy Lee. Yeah, you know she's Nancy Lee sausage ch- Chinese. Oh, so <laughs> is that Nancy Lee sausage? No, that's just oh, the landlord. Nancy, just Nancy Lee. Okay, and is it S A W S A G E? It's spelled like sausage. S A U S A G E. His name isn't really sausage, obviously, but that's like his thing. Yeah. So then we hear, "All you are is a fucking queer motherfucker. You want to watch queer shit, and I don't want to watch that shit." The other guy, you hear another guy, we're watching Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> You're watching a bunch of fucking queer motherfuckers. <laughs> I don't want to watch queer motherfuckers. Yeah. I've had it enough tonight, Ray. Well, then <laughs> then shut your fucking mouth, you piece of fucking shit. Yeah. Shut up, little man. I like this shut stuff. up, little man. I don't mm. want to hurt you. You've been screeching for an hour. Now stop it. I will not, you lying piece of shit. Stop it. You dirty little man. You even smell. All you are is a piece of shit. I smell like a human being and you smell like a fucking dog. Shut up, little man. You shut up, little man. Titles up. You guessed it. Shut up, little man. Jesus Christ. This is who these guys moved into next door. So Eddie says he grew up in Wisconsin. And he says it sucks. It's like uh, beer, cheese, and the Green Bay Packers. That's all you get. Cool. And cheese curds. 
I love cheese curds. Yeah. Um, Mitch says the impetus for him uh, was that he outgrew Wisconsin and it was time for him to move on. So, you know, they both finished college and they're trying to figure out the next phase of their life. And one day these two run into each other and, you know, they're like, yeah, let's go to San Francisco. So, you know, they're like, cool. You, we got somebody to travel with to go start new lives together. Mitch describes it as a momentous time, momentous time. And it was the next chapter of his life. So Eddie says, we were going into the unknown. We had no idea what we were going to do. I mean, I didn't have a job or prospects or anything. I just wanted to be a part of this big giant city and find a new persona. So, you know, basically the Pepto-Bismol Palace was like a cheap motel. You know, there were two rows of four apartments, one on each, you know, on top of each other. And they were all corrected by a concrete veranda, very similar to like the dingbats in L.A., um, it was basically made of snot and cardboard. Yeah. He says the walls were paper thin and it was a place you would be embarrassed to have people come over and see. And Mitch says, I think it was, you know, probably three weeks after we signed the lease that we're living there when we first heard the neighbors and Eddie's laying down one day and he hears this voice saying, shut up, little man, <laughs> shut up, little man. And he said, I'm laying in bed and going, what the fuck is going on? And Mitch says, one morning I got up as usual and, you know, we're hanging out in the kitchen. And he said, hey, did you hear that last night? And I said, no, I didn't hear anything. And Eddie says, the next night I'm laying in bed and I hear, shut up, little man. And I'm like, not again. And then I hear, shut your fucking mouth, you fucking cocksucker. Shut up, little man. Jesus you Christ. shut your fucking queer mouth, you fucking cocksucker. And he's like, well, first of all, I thought it was like one lunatic just talking to himself. And then I understood there were two separate voices in there and they're clearly fighting. Shut your fucking mouth, you piece of fucking shit. So he gets Mitch up and he says, hey, you, you heard those guys last night. And Mitch is like, dude, I hear nothing. Mm, yeah. And he's like, no, granted, I sleep very heavily. Yeah. And then he's like, am I crazy? And, you know, he, Eddie says, I felt unhinged because he's not hearing them, but I'm hearing them. And then you hear Peter one of the voices, he says, shut up, little man. You see what you've done? Wait, where is this coming from? It's coming from the neighbors. So it's coming from out like, yeah. it's not, okay. okay. It's coming from directly across the hall. Okay. So one night, Eddie wakes Mitch up in the middle of the night uh, at 3.34, and he's shaking his leg, and he goes, Mitch, Mitch, wake up. They're doing it. And Mitch jumped out of bed, ran into his room. Uh, he slid open the window and we sat there listening, and he said, this is what I've been telling you about. And you hear Peter. He's like, you bitch. Oh, God. You dirty little man. Oh, God. Don't call me a bitch, you fucking cocksucker. Well, that's Ray. Okay. You are a bitch. God damn you. I am not some sort of fucking nut. <laughs> <laughs> I am so lost right now. <laughs> Giggle all you want. Giggle, giggle, dirty little man. You always giggle falsely. <laughs> you don't have a decent giggle in you. I I am decent. Shut up, little man. I am a decent fucking... Shut up, little man. You are not. You're goddamn right I am. This is frustrating. I know. This How do you think these guys felt? Yes. So it's giving me anxiety right now. I know. It was basically trying to figure out survival strategies because you're living next door to people 
who don't live on regimented times. They don't work. They basically drink all day and pound the shit out of each other. Wow. Okay. Like in the ass? No. They beat each other up. Okay. (laughs) All right. Go to bed. Go to bed. Shut your fucking mouth. And then you hear slaps and furniture. Jesus. And like two men. Yeah. And you hear people falling to the ground. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Mitch says. Who do you think is winning? uh, Not the gay guy. Oh, one of them's gay. Peter okay. is the gay guy. He's, He's the, gay. the feminine one uh-huh. who says, shut up, little man. Uh-huh. And then Ray's the one that says, you queer fucking cocksucker, <laughs> shut the beating, fuck up. Just keeps beating him while he sucks his dick. Got uh, it. Got it. Who knows? So um, Mitch just says. Can't quit you. <laughs> it, the fighting never ended. Great. All they did was drink. That's what they did. Yeah. That was their hobby. Peter, you drunk the wine. You have drunk the vodka. Shut up, little man. Ray, this is my favorite line, and I don't know why. Ray, you are just fucking up. <laughs> so Eddie says, I had had enough. I went nuts, and I decided I'm going to go deal with this. So I went over to the next door neighbor's house, and I banged on the door. Nothing's happening. And then I kicked the door. Well, finally... I could hear something kind of rattling on the other side of the door. And then the door opened and there was this Cro-Magnon looking like kind of guy who had the neck muscles of a newborn. Okay. I'm infuriated. I said, God damn it. You know, you guys have been screaming for days. I'm trying to get some sleep and you need to shut the fuck up. And he realized it's Ray. And Ray said, Hey, listen, you cocksucker. (laughs) You little skinny cocksucker. Shut your fucking mouth and go back to bed. I was a killer before you were born. I'll be a killer when you're dead. Ah, great. And he says, I had this moment where I popped into sobriety because I look down and I see in the window, you know, there is a skull, a human skull in the window. And he says, man, I am in way over my head. Oh, boy. So I just scurried back to my apartment. Well, Mitch says, I remember we could hear Ray saying, come knock on my door, you cocksucker. Really? Wow. I dare you. Wow. I will kill you. Oh, my God. I will kill. (laughs) That's some freaky shit, dude. But I am a killer. (laughs) You want to fuck with me, you fucking cocksucker? (laughs) Try it. Go ahead, come. Knock on my fucking door. Come, You little fucking piece of shit. I'll kill you instantly, cocksucker. (laughs) Housekeeping. (laughs) So Mitch says, we're like, oh my God. You know, two young guys. Keep in mind, they're like 19 years old, 20 maybe. Um, You know, we don't know anybody in the city. We don't know them. Uh, And now we're being, he's threatening to kill us. It was very not commonplace yeah. for us. I'm ready to kill a cocksucker that wants to fuck with me. So Mitch says we made our first recording in response. It was a response to feeling intimidated, feeling frightened. You know, we're really scared. And then he said, I wanted to document this in case something really horrible went down. <clears throat> so Mitch says, I set up a boom box. I grabbed a blank tape out of the tape box And I ran in the room and I grabbed my ski poles. I took the microphone, spliced in some speaker wire, 
and held the ski poles out of the window. Nice. Adjacent to their boom mic. He's got a boom mic. And now we can hear it coming through the speakers inside of our, our, you know, apartment. Right. And then it comes in really loud and clear. And uh, all of a sudden we hear Peter say, oh, the neighbors are recording us. Oh, God. (laughs) Jesus so, Christ. So now oh my God. they're like, fuck, what do we do? <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. And then they're like, just fucking leave it there. Let's see what happens. And all of a sudden, um, Ray. The, the wall comes down. You can hear Ray kind of coming to the window and he says, uh, hey, next door. Hey, next door. Uh, Peter Haskett is a fucking thieving motherfucking piece of shit cocksucker. That's all he is. He's not a human being. He's not a decent man. And the world would be better if the cocksucker died. Sweet. That's their response to the recording. They're fucking a couple drunk queens. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. And then you hear Peter, shut up, little man. Yeah. You fucking cocksucker. (laughs) You know what you did? You ruined my cigarette papers. I didn't ruin your cigarette papers, you asshole. How do I ruin your cigarette papers? And Eddie says, there's this sort of bitchy queen thing going on with Peter. Look at them. There they are. Well, how did I do it? You jumped. You hit me a while ago, you dirty cocksucker. Yeah. Oh, darling. I'm so sorry. Here are some cigarette papers for you, asshole. Here they are, darling. Don't you fucking call me, darling. Well, then don't act like a fool. And then he says, Raymond was this sort of embittered redneck, absolutely frothing at the mouth, you know, queer hating. Yep. Homophobe. Self-hating homophobe. Well, that's what we're trying to figure out. (laughs) Homosexual. That's because I despise all the fucking queers. Fucking (laughs) cocksuckers. I like girls and normal, decent human beings. Boys like girls and girls like boys. Fuck them little cocksuckers. A lot, a lot of explaining to do to somebody. <laughs> and he says it was just, ah, like girls, it was just mind-boggling that they would actually not only live together, but they would stay living together. So Mitch says we would giggle and laugh over the absurdity of how crazy it was. And then, you know, it was like, we got to get some more of this. Let's get some more of this. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, I definitely... We Let's both, do some more of this illegal recording. Well, there's going to be a debate about that later. Um, But they become obsessed with it. Right. They can't wait to find out what they're going to do or say next. So they continue recording. It's in the process of a felony. So Yeah. What did you do during the war? You did nothing (laughs) except be a fucking queer. Which war is he talking about? That's all queers do. Vietnam? I hate fucking queers. This guy sounds like a queer guy. Queers aren't even human beings. <laughs> Here we go again. Cut it and out, is this, Ray. Happen- is this happening every night? Yeah. Every single night? Yeah. Oh. Well. Hate, a- hate Ashbury. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Tell me what you did in the war. Shut your dirty little mouth. Tell me what you did during the war, you fucking queer. This guy doesn't use any racial slurs at all, huh? No. I'm surprised. <laughs> Like, oh no 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 we can't be we can't be racist. What did you do during this the war? This is Hate Ashbury. We can't what be racist. What did you do during the war? You didn't do anything. You <laughs> I son killed. Of, I killed some fucking. You son of a bitch! I was wounded three times. Oh bullshit! Goddamn right I was. <laughs> bullshit! 
You were maybe wounded when you fell over your bayonet when you were drunk. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So Eddie says our obsession increased. We're trying to insert some sort of anthropological way, mm-hmm. collect data mm-hmm. so we could figure out Peter and Raymond. One time we did follow Ray. It was like trying to catch the Sasquatch, this fabled creature that ambled through the woods. So, uh, yeah, I, stumbling through the beer aisle, stumbling through the wine aisle, they get stumbling him. through the fucking, that's where they get him. Stumbling into the other, no, stumbling into the street. Just a liquor store. Yeah. He put, a, uh, Eddie puts a wig on because they don't oh, want to yeah, be yeah, noticed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, not that these drunks would ever remember anything. Yeah. He puts a wig on and then Mitch gets photographs of them inside the liquor store. And like, you know, they're clowning him. Eddie's got a picture of Carlos Rossi in the back, you know, big old jug of wine. And, you know, Eddie says, I never saw Peter outside the building except for very early on when we first met him and he was chatting me up. Probably because his face is like hamburger meat. I'll kill you. Don't you touch me. You go to bed right now. He's trying to make his face turn into a pussy. Go to bed. Shut your fucking mouth. (laughs) More thuds and slaps. Jesus. And they're landing these punches. And then we suddenly hear a third voice. What? Come on and break it up. What? Break it up. Break it up. Whoa. And then Eddie's like, oh my God, there's somebody else there? There's somebody else in the same room with them? The fuck? They discover another voice named Tony. (gasps) Tony? Tony. Fucking Tony. Tony was the intermittent roommate. He was a scary guy. He's a Miss Tony. He was your classic redneck from the South. Sick. Our Tony is seeing what it's about. I already told you, Tony, I thought you was a liar and a chief and a thief. Oh, that's the person whose name he said. Tony so-and-so is a thing. No, yeah, Tony's there. But is that is that the name that he said in the recording, like the thief part? No. Oh, he says Ray's. No, it's Ray and Peter. Peter. But then they find Tony's there. Okay, okay. So Peter says, I know. That's what I started to say to him. And he said, you said, no, you have never said that. Oh, I certainly did. I said, you're a liar and a thief and a cheat. All right, Tony, you see what it is. Well, Tony, according to Eddie, he was used as an objective force that was the witness. And Mitch describes him as the judge and the jury, a very strange situation he was in. In the meantime, okay. shut up. That's yeah, a love triangle. I shut up. Both Tony and I want to go to sleep. You shut your fucking mouth, Ray. Well, Mitch says we used to make lots of mixtapes for our friends. And I almost always on these tapes, I put little snippets of Peter and Ray in between no the songs. No way. Yeah. Sick. So as soon as my friends would hear this, <laughs> they'd be like, what the fuck is this? That's hilarious. Eddie says we would dub a tape or two. Um, and our really closest friends, and they'd be like, dude, can I bring a six-pack over to your house on Thursday? Oh, my God. Um, we'd be like, oh, dude, Thursday, that's perfect. And they're like, why? And they're like, well, because that's when the rent's due, and when the rent's due, there's always a war. Oh, So shit. come on by. <clears throat> Let's do it. Peter. Where are the checks I wrote for the rent? I want them. None of your fucking business. Oh, boy. They're no good, Ray. There is no rent paid. I catch you touching my fucking shit and so help me. There is no rent. 
I'll stick a fucking good night, sweet prince. I'll stick a fucking oh shut up. You said you would be quiet. You want to stick me with that fork? You get back in there. Touch my fucking shit and all. Nobody touched your shit, asshole. You lying piece of shit. You know how fucking sick you are. I don't give a shit. Take for fucking checks and shove them up your fucking ass. Sounds like Joe Biden. <laughs> we went Kamala Harris. Like, what is this? It's the way they talk. Mitch says we went from more passive observers to, to provoking. So we start making phone calls to them. Ray. Oh. Oh no. Mitch. Hey Ray. It's Ardell again. I forgot to leave a message last time when I spoke with you. This is who? Ardell? Um, I was asking for Tony before. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, is he still queer? <laughs> <laughs> and he starts laughing. <laughs> he starts laughing. <laughs> Listen, you son of a bitch. <laughs> You're not very fucking smart if you thought Tony was a queer. Well, you know, that's okay with me. I don't mind if Tony's queer. I was just wondering. <laughs> he starts laughing again. He just likes hearing the word queer from somebody else. Hey, 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 look, you asshole. Forget it. I mean, I was a mean motherfucker in my time, and I still am. Don't ever suggest a thing like that ever again. Well, you must be queer too then, uh -oh. right? You I'll don't tell you what, you fucking piece of cocksucking shit. Yeah, he got How, him. How'd you like me? How, how'd you like me to show you what queer is? Yeah. What should I do, Ray? Grab my ankles? You're just a little man. <laughs> I knew you're a little man. Don't you fucking call me little man. Wow. You fucking piece of shit. I'll wow. tell you what, you're a piece of shit. So obviously, they know how to stoke the fire. Yeah. Over here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is good stuff, man. All this right. is this is prime time. Fuck the radio, fuck television. If I'm in the '80s and I got a couple bucks for a beer and some cigarettes, you're fine. The, the friends I'm, over. That's where I'm going, baby. Okay, so fast forward to Madison, Wisconsin. We'll call it present day for them, even though it's 2010 because that's okay. when this was released. They're at Mitch's 2010. House. Yep, was when this was released. The 2011. Okay. So yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, sure. it's this this whole thing started in eighty seven and now they're at Mitch's house, right. you know, uh somewhat twenty three years later. So um Mitch has a collection of all the mixtapes he's made yeah. over the years. Yeah. And it's impressive. I'm sure. Seriously impressive. Ma making mixtapes when in the eighties was an art form. Yeah, you had to be there. <clears throat> yeah. You had but to be by the thing. It, it wasn't just hit that. the record. We recorded off the radio. Um, you know, it was an art form though, because you would write everything out. Yes, on your little on the little paper. Yep. And then you'd give it to somebody. Yeah. And then they'd you know, you'd wait for the call. Yeah. And you'd be Hopefully like, Did you get a to girl track seven? Yeah. Case, it was a yeah. Dude, what'd you think? <laughs> what'd you think of nine? Anyway, Mitch is going through Wait, all hold up, hold up for yeah. a second. Do you remember one of your first or your first mixtape? Do you oh, remember man. any songs from there? Yeah. Oh God. I had a couple. I I had black. Our white shoes, black hat, Cadillac. I had flagpole Sitta. I had a couple Bone Thug songs. Yeah, see, I'm way older than you. I had well, like, I know. Yeah, I had like uh, REM's. Yeah, 
uh, Orange Crush on there. Yeah. I had the B-52s. Okay. The, you know, Rome. Um, you know, yeah. 80s, baby. It was <laughs> so good. Yeah, mine was definitely like a mid-90s mix. Yeah. That's so cool. anyway, um, he's going through all this cataloged work, and it's typed out. You know, you, you know, it's very he clean. The, yeah, he's the typewriter. And he's like, like oh, it. man, there's so much precious stuff here. He was like, oh, don't call me good night. Uh, he said, anyway, at the Pepto-Bismol Palace, we ended up compiling at least 14 hours of Peter and Raymond. So next we meet comic artist Daniel Close. Do you know who that is? You ever Daniel seen Ghost? Close? Close. Had you ever seen, do you ever see Ghost World? With ScarJo, no. Okay, it was based a, on his comic. No. Um, well, we're they start listening to these recordings. Uh, Daniel does. He's also joined by a film producer named Henry Rosenthal. He's listening. A playwright named Greg Gibbs, uh, another comic artist named Ivan Brunetti, and they cannot stop laughing. Listen, you know, listening to these. Uh, another director, film director by the name of Matt, Mike Mitchell. He's laughing. Greg, the playwright, he's listening and he's like, I will kill you. Oh, God damn it. Shut your fucking little mouth. You always giggle falsely. Yep. Oh, he's like going through the greatest hits because he's heard him so many yeah. times. And he says, there's just such genius just how they throw the words around. They're joyless. Um, you know, you just... Uh, cocksucker <laughs> you know he's going through him he says you might as well be saying i love you or honey and it's just so close to that it's an ordinary routine yeah it's domestic day for them you lying son of a bitch you ain't never done a decent thing in your fucking life shut up little man i have a decent dinner ready Nothing happened with the dinner because you crucified it. You ruined it. God damn you. Oh, are they going to be are they cannibals? No. Oh, thank God. So director Henry Rosenthal says, Pete, uh, he's a producer. He says, Pete and Ray function like a married couple. <clears throat> a lot of the arguments were about day-to-day -day stuff like food preparation, money, um, you know, and this eternal battle is unparalleled so we meet a radio host and he says why are these guys living together what's the context there's definitely a backstory going on which isn't necessary necessarily obvious on the surface and then we start meeting more fans coming into the dock they're different one's homosexual one seems to despise homosexuals Ray has a great line. He says, I don't say Hitler was right, but God damn it, all fucking queers, they ought to be dead. Jesus. That's one of his classics. Uh, and Henry says the big question Based. has always, always been, was Ray a self-loathing homosexual? Sure. You goddamn fucking cocksucker! <laughs> you shut I mean, your fucking like mouth and go to bed! I'm not fucking queer! <laughs> so Close says, I must have seven or eight hours of material and it's almost you know it'll burn the hairs off your ears you know every bit of it is shocking even the 50th time you hear it the last the best thing that can happen to me according to my doctors is for me to say goodbye you cocksucker and never see you again Jesus 
I'll be so fucking glad when you're gone. Peter's response. Good night. So get half your shit. Don't call me good night, you cocksucker. <laughs> Jesus. Don't call me good night. <laughs> so Eddie call says, that's one of their classics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't call me good night. So Eddie says, probably about two years after I moved out of the Pepto, I was living back in the Midwest and I got a phone call. Hey, this is Seymour Glass from Banana Fish Magazine, which was at the time this fantastic sort of underground culture magazine. And I said, oh, hey, man, what's going on? And he said, well, I want to speak to you about some famous ex-neighbors of yours, Raymond and Peter. And he's like, how do you know about Raymond and Peter? And he said, oh, man, everybody out here in San Francisco has been listening to the tapes you made. I'm to get them. Am I a man? Am I a decent fucking human being, man? Ray, nobody else is saying anything. You're the only one. Shut your fucking mouth, you son of a bitch. Well, Mitch says, I'd actually shared a tape with my good friend, Rich Whitaker, who's in a band called Poop Shovel. <laughs> He's shared the tape with other folks, and it just spread like wildfire overnight. So not only our friends and our friends' friends, but our friends' friends of friends, people just started sharing it with anyone, and it started moving like it had a life of its own. And you got to remember, this is before the internet. Uh, it's pre-digital. So it's basically people just taking tapes and retaping the tape and retaping the tape and spreading them. Uh, but it was essentially spread from kind of an obsessive subterranean network of tape traders. So we have a fan in the present day and he's like going through his house and he's like, oh man, this is taking me back. Uh, and he pulls out a tape and he's like, oh, Chet. Chet gets his phone tap, parts one, two, and three, the prank tape, funny freaking phone pranks, calls to rednecks, pranks for the memories, of course. Oh, Raymond and Peter. Mm -hmm. Oh, shut up, little man. Oh, that was next level. It's about as real as it gets. You'll love it. Now, keep in mind, this guy has, we're in his house, super fan, tapes wall to ceiling. How many hours of Ray and Peter they did they have? 14 hours. All That's together. what Eddie Lee and Mitch got. <clears throat> 14 hours, huh? 14 hours is what I they... they would have had a lot more. Dude, 14 hours is a lot because you got to remember they're cutting editing it. They're not just playing it straight oh, through. Good, good point. Good There's point. a lot of crap. Good point. Yeah. And then the fan, he pulls out a CD and he goes, this is the Holy Grail. Here it is. This is the thing I would not just give up for anybody. But at the time I listened to it, I hated it. To me... It was monotonous rants by two guys, conversations that went nowhere. Why am I bothering with this? This is horrible. And then I find myself listening to it a couple days later. You are a rotten little man, lady. Pardon me, lady. And he said, suddenly it clicked and it made sense. I could follow along the drama that was going on, the conflict between Raymond and Peter, and I laughed. But I felt really bad because I was laughing. It was like I felt like an accomplice just by listening. And the time it was over, I was hooked. And I said, my goal from here on out is to tell as many people about this as I can. So let's get back to Greg Gibbs. He says, we had this network of people who would exchange all these audio verite tapes. And it was all about the cassette tape. And at the time, cassette tapes were like everything. And there was tremendous amount of material that was going on around cassette tapes. Well, Rosenthal says, 
audio verite is audio that is true. It's real audio that's oftentimes recorded surreptitiously, often unearthed or discovered and then disseminated. So we go back to Orson Welles. They have like, there's like a famous underground Orson Welles where he's uh, reading an ad about okay. fake peas. And he's like, we know... Fake peas? Uh, frozen peas. Frozen peas. We know a remote farm in Lincolnshire every July. Peas grow there. And then you hear a man in the back and he's like, can you emphasize a bit uh, in, in July? Why? That doesn't make sense. That's just stupid in July. I love to know how you emphasize in and in July. Impossible. Meaningless. So the whole point is you're getting a slice of another person's life you'd never seen before. Okay. You know, it's Orson Welles. Yeah. That's how he was in real life. Yeah, and you thought he was like this normal yeah it's awesome. a it's a distorted view mm-hmm. and he's being humiliated reading commercials but you get that side that you never would have seen by just watching his films so um radio host mark gunderson describes audio verite as a little bit of voyeurism it presents this opportunity for us to peek into other people's lives and hear a glimpse a little audio snapshot And Mitch himself says, I never heard the term audio verite until I'd read some articles that our recordings had inspired. And then Seymour Glass was interested in the material and he wanted to distribute them in his magazine. And Eddie says, along with Banana Fish number five, Seymour published six volumes of recordings, uh, like 500 copies each, and they sold out in like two or three months. Uh Uh-huh. So what they did is they made liner notes for the tracks. Mm -hmm. They're hysterical. So, for example, Peter and Ray, Volume 1, called The Early Routines. This is the earliest collection of Peter and Ray rants. This was made just after our fear subsided and before we had the technology for the crisp later recordings. Ray knocks Peter unconscious Jesus. and ruminates on his motives and the damage done in a Shakespearean soliloquy. Huh. Uh, Peter and Ray, Volume 2, titled In the Spirit of Thanksgiving. <laughs> this tape begins... Ray knocks Peter unconscious <laughs> with the brick. <laughs> does it's a like, soliloquy. It's, it's like the same fucking thing, just like gets beaten with something different every time. Well, this tape begins when Eddie Lee... Sausage visited Raymond and comes over with two 40 ounces for yeah. Thanksgiving. Edward Scissorhands. Ray, Edward 40 hands. covered in his own vomit, long since dried on his flannel shirt, refuses. <sighs> Mitchell Lee employs a little telecommunications terrorism by calling Ray and getting in an argument with him about Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking queer. He's not a fucking queer. <laughs> I Who fucking told you that? I know what you're fucking trying to say, man. Ray Ray cooks up some corned beef hash and begins a drawn-out mumbling soliloquy on being a killer, loving dogs, and hating queers. Yeah. A fight and Ray's confession. Tony and I hugged each other once. <laughs> Yay. Sign B. More Ray in a fierce, belligerent rage. If you want to talk to me, then shut your fucking mouth. And lastly, a call from the Nova Express Times. Now, I did some research. Okay. What they done is one of them, Eddie or Mitchell, pretended to be a survey from a paper. Okay. <laughs> um, 
Do you, uh, on a scale of one to ten, how much do you hate queers? <laughs> it was a questionnaire on alcoholism. Uh-oh. So they pretended to be like this. So the sociologists. Yeah. How many drinks do you yeah. say you'd have a day? Correct. Zero to one, two to three. How many drinks until you start using the word uh, queer? <laughs> yeah. Uh, nonstop. Nonstop. Uh, and then there's volume three. They would use the word incessantly. <laughs> there was volume three. You th- titled, You Think Your Mother and Father Were a Couple of Boys and Fucked and Made a Boy? <laughs> <laughs> this one is subtitled, uh, The Most Essential Pete and Ray Dialogue. Uh, Ray's Timeless Evil Soliloquy on Homosexuality. Okay. Also, the discussion slash argument concerning their involvement in the armed services during World War II, to answer your question. Wow. And several other delights. Lastly, we have the liner notes on volume four titled A Night in the Stony Lonesome. Peter is at his drunkest, continually begging Ray to call the police on him with the repeated refrain, where are the police? Ray finally acquiesces and calls the police. The police show hauling Peter off to jail, a.k.a. the Stony Lonesome. Later, Peter returns from the drunk tank in a rage, and they discuss the history of their acquaintanceship stretching back to 1968, Jesus. 1978. Jesus. <laughs> These guys couldn't even remember when the fuck they met each other. Yeah. Peter claims to have been written up. It was 20-some years ago. Yeah, but even then, they couldn't remember. 20 years ago. Peter claims to have been written up. Rep- no, I mean, like, to them, it's 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Uh, Peter claims to have been written up repeatedly in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. Special guest appearance, Tony, and the San Francisco Police Department. (laughs) I thought you were going to tell me a band, actually. No, that's coming, though. (laughs) I don't want to hurt you. Tony and the San Francisco Police Departments. I don't want to hurt you. Yep. Sit down. Sit down and shut up. I'm perfectly capable of killing you. Then shut up and be a man. Just shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> Sleepy Ray. Be a man. Be a man, then shut your fucking mouth. Then you shut your fucking mouth. You goddamn queer cocksucker. Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> the next time I'm going to pop you, I'm going to pop you if you do not shut up. Now stop it. You're drunk. Four liters of wine today. Jesus. I'll tell you what, cocksucker. Four liters. I'll tell you what, cocksucker. You try and hit me, I will kill you. Four liters of wine. It's a lot of booze, bro. Ah, and it ain't good stuff. It's rot gut. Yeah. These guys <laughs> fucking don't. Yeah, yeah. It's friend. It's two buck chucks. It's not Buddy. It's Carlos Rossi. It's jugging <clears throat> a handle with a yep. screw cap. Yep. Yep. It's yep. fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Well, Mitchell says initially we had this disclaimer on the back of the tapes that said if you want to use. For artistic purposes, feel free to do so, but please notify us. You know, the bottom line is we just said, if anybody wants to use this again for artistic purposes, feel free. Well, Eddie says people started taking the material and doing really cool things with it. Uh, The part that was really exciting was that the people, you know, they were getting juice. They were getting creative inspiration from the recordings. So we see graphic comics inspired by peter and ray Mm. uh drawn of course by one of uh the famous artist daniel close who i mentioned earlier 
Um, a few other names I don't recall. I'm not really in that world, but kind of think like, do you remember Crumb? No. Okay. No. Crumb. American Splendor. No. It's the underground comics. Okay. So. Cool. cool, cool, cool. Close says, I can't remember. feel like New York in the 90s would be like a prominent place for this, for some juices like that. Yes. It would be a good place. Uh, this, of course, is in San Francisco, though. What did I say? You said New York. Oh, I meant San Francisco. Apartment. Yeah, by the way, we just took a break and you got baked. <laughs> I did get baked. So, yeah. Not baked enough. Anyway, Close says, I can't remember who asked me to draw these guys, but whoever it was, I'm sure I was immediately amenable uh, to it because I spent so much time listening to these tapes and I had such a clear vision of how these guys looked. They felt very much like the odd couple or some kind of sitcom characters pushed to a degree that they both were more realistic and more cartoonish at the same time. So fellow uh, comic artist Ivan Brunetti says, I've been doing comics for years, uh, and I had this reputation as this guy to do these sort of sick and twisted strips. I think in general, like I tend to say I would relate to Peter. I think he's truly like the definition of an asshole, but I somehow understood the way his mind works, which kind of scares me. So I think the appeal of it, well, probably like at first, it's going to appeal to your misanthropic side uh, to just kind of laughing at people. The deeper you got into it, there's actually more to it, and you kept kind of exploring it. And Close says, at the basic core, it's about their relationship, and that's a universal thing. It's about two people trying to live in, have some kind of sense of identity that is constantly being reappraised by this other person. And it's like a microcosm of how we all relate to each other. Well, these artists, they don't just run with comic strips. People start doing puppetry hmm. and filming it with the characters of Ray and wow. Peter. It's becoming a real uh, movement. I'm not going to die. <laughs> I'll tell you if I'm dead. Last time think i walked away without saying this but i'm gonna say it now anybody fucks with my shit while i'm in the fucking hospital they better answer to me any cocksucker that steals me or fucks with my shit i'm gonna dump this shit i'll kick the shit out of any little cocksucker <laughs> so film director mike mitchell says we we became obsessed with the shut up little man uh series yeah um we started to draw them all the time. We're just drawing pictures of what we imagine they look like. And some people just hear screeching. They don't realize that there is art there. They don't grasp what we do. So we decided to bridge that gap. And that's why we built puppets. You get back in there. You want to stick me with that fork? Touch my shit and I will. Nobody ever touched your shit, asshole. You lying son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, you lying son of a bitch. You know how sick you are. I'm not sick. Tony is having to listen to this. <laughs> Mike Mitchell says. <clears throat> He's well, our guest. Yeah, that's what's so awkward about it. You see this guy, Tony, in the back of your mind, just sitting in a chair watching yeah, these two guys <laughs> go at it. Um uh, what was the perfect storm for these guys to be doing it uh, and someone recording it at the same time? Yeah. That's what's fascinating. Sure. And again, it's not fun to think of how illegal that might be right. and how invasive it is. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to know uh, what happened before. After the argument, just to hear them, it's bliss. I love it. 
So next we meet Ursula Mothersbaugh and Bob Mothersbaugh of the 80s band Devo. Do you remember Devo? <laughs> yeah. Whip it? Yeah. So Bob says, um, somebody gave me a copy of Shut Up Little Man. And of course, we spent the weekend just laughing about it. And, you know, Ursula says, oh, yeah, my dad brought it home. I thought it was pretty great. I mean, I think I listened to it maybe when I was 13. And Bob says, when I was working on this song, you know, I'm lazy and I don't want to write lyrics. So I thought, why don't I just use some lines from Shut Up, Little Man? <laughs> so Mitch <coughs> continues. Wow, really? Yeah. That's great. It's amazing. Just look at these little silly recordings we made, never assuming they would amount to anything. Yeah. And now all of a sudden it's escalated and it's snowballed into this enormous kind of phenomenon. So they make tons of magazines. Uh, Vanity Fair, the LA Times, Spin does a feature on them. And Mitch says once the tapes were issued, that's when we got a call uh, from Matador Records. And Matador Records at the time was like the hottest label. Mm. Uh, Pavement was on there, Teenage Fan Club, <clears throat> The Fall. Yeah, I know where this is coming from. Uh, where we're going with this right here. And a subsidiary says, we want to put out Shut Up Little Man. And Eddie's like, perfect. So the end result is Matador signs them and they create a CD with 72 minutes of the most vitriolic and abusive material you've had the displeasure of hearing from the human race. Here are the track titles. <laughs> One, introducing Peter, the crucifixion of dinner. Two, introducing Ray. I'm ready now. <laughs> Three, you want to stick that fork in me? Four, go to bed fist fight number one. No oh boy. Five, someday I will kill you. <laughs> Six, sorry, darling. Seven, I despise all queers. <laughs> Eight, what did you do during the war? <laughs> Nine, don't call me midnight. Don't call me good night. <laughs> Ten, introducing Tony. I've seen them potheads. Yeah. 11. <clears throat> on the floor again. Fist fight number two. On the floor again. 12. You always giggle falsely. <laughs> 13. My favorite. Ray, you are just fucking up. <laughs> 14. I was a mean motherfucker in my time. 15. Ray's soliloquy. Uh, titled I Am the Human Race. Nice. 16. Toenails. Yeah. 17. I know how to use any weapon. 18. Vodka. 19. <laughs> this time I attack. <laughs> 20. I don't want to watch queer shit. This fight number three. <laughs> it's a real story arc. 21. Tony stripped her down. 22 Nova Express survey on alcoholism. Nice. That's I I have got to track that down and listen yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. 23 Queer's Giggle. 24 Where are the Police? 25 A Night in the Stony Lonesome. Uh 26 I am a killing motherfucker RE Eddie Lee Sausage. Mm -hmm. So Eddie Lee got involved in that one. Mm. 27 You don't have friends. 28 Go live south of market. 20, 29, the killing of 14 people. Jesus. 30, Ray mules at the cops. 
31, we'll set your hair on fire. Yeah. <laughs> 32, cheap little bitch. 33, a liar, a thief, and a cheat. 34, I am a man. 35, I tried to make this a home. 36, if you want to talk to me, then shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> so at this point, they get press in Rolling Stone. Uh, Eddie says, you know, this is great. No waivers, nothing, huh? They have this run with it, you know, yeah. anti-copyright thing on it. Okay. Um, he says there's a huge fellow fellowship of fans, and I'm loving it. I just loved it. And then Rosenthal, the producer, says, shut up, little man, was a phenomenon. Um, would have happened a lot faster if the internet existed. Uh, because, you know, everything goes viral so quickly. Yeah. And they kind of show this by um, showing a mashup. Remember when Christian Bale lost his shit on set? Yeah, but it, hold on. I don't think that necessarily would have gone viral if if it was because in the social. Now that we're in the social media yeah. time, yeah, like you know, people aren't necessarily looking for, like they're not looking for shit like this because there's. It might not be cool enough or it may exciting not be cool, enough. It now. may not be. Yeah, it's like this is just like some fucking everyday shit. Yeah. Well, you know, they, and when you're fucking bored in the night, late '80s, you got nothing to do. Yeah. That's this is well, much people, more appealing. People have kind of seen that they wished it would have been around um, with the viral capabilities today. So people right. have taken like the Christian Bale meltdown. Yep. When he's screaming at the lighting guy. And then they, they and now they've inserted it. Peter Haskett in there saying, Shut up, little man That's to hilarious. Christian Bale. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. So <clears throat> let's go to Greg Gibbs. He says, A friend of mine received the tape. Uh, it was called Old Men Fighting, and I immediately took it home and started transcribing. So Eddie gets a call from Greg, who's a playwright in LA, and he had written a short two-person play about it. And Greg says, there's something about the human condition that I find really compelling. This nitty-gritty human condition. That's the opposite of what you normally see in the media. I always intended to make a full play after about a year and a half. I had worked with the material so much. I felt like I had a play. At that point, we got in touch with Eddie Lee Sausage, and I got on the phone with him. And Eddie describes Greg as an interesting guy. He had a lot of juice, really enthusiastic, effervescent, bubbling over almost maniacally. And I was like, great, this sounds great. Let's do a play. So they actually show through video the LA premiere of Shut Up Little Man from 1993. Cool. Well, um, at this point, you know, uh, Eddie flies to LA. They become friends. Um, Greg's showing them around. And this is when things change. Eddie showed up with tapes that he was selling at the play. And the tapes no longer said, may freely use this material for whatever you wish. It was mm -hmm. replaced by a copyright that read Eddie Lee Sausage and Mitchell Lee. Hmm. So an interview in the film asked Mitch, why do you feel like you needed to copyright the recordings? And he said, we felt compelled to because it was, you know, all of a sudden people started using it and wanting it. And, you know, we're asking us about the legal aspects. And I felt we've got to do something about this to make this more ours. Uh, and Greg says, well, 
do what you got to do. Uh, I have my play, which is original material to me. It's all manipulated. I never used their words verbatim. And Eddie says, well, the strangest part was the night before the play. I had actually been in San Francisco, and Mitchell and I had gone and found the real Peter Haskett in the Tenderloin. We waited for a while, three hours, and literally just on the verge of us getting up, we see him walking down the street. Now, this is interesting. I would have taken him more for a Castro kind of guy. (laughs) Probably. They even make comics about the meeting between these guys. Very uh, breaking the fourth wall. I don't think it was a directorial decision. I think the comics actually existed by these underground writers. All right, great. Just to be clear, I could be wrong. (laughs) So Eddie says, when we had the record company um, cut a royalty check, they had had him cut a royalty check for Peter. Yeah. So he says, I felt an obligation to have a conversation with Peter and say, hey, you know, the recordings we made of you and Raymond, they've sort of spread like wildfire. We have no idea what's going to happen to this. And also, you know, I wanted to give him some money because I felt he was entitled to that. Yeah. And Mitchell says, I think it, it was creepy for him. And at one point, you know, obviously, yeah, well, they're, they're in a restaurant having this conversation and he says, you know, we're, we're basically revealing details about his life and his history. And he says, how do you know about this? And he says, well, we live next door to you. Yeah. And you know, uh, he wouldn't acknowledge it. He said, Ray, he said, Ray and I never fought. So it's kind of weird. And he said, we had to overcome this obstacle with him to get him to acknowledge that, in fact, yeah, they fought. Let's We have material on tape. Like, yeah, there's this CD out in public, and yeah. you're on it, and yeah. you've become sort of an underground icon. Yeah, you're not just on it. You are it. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're it. You're it. Yeah, you're the... Yeah. So Eddie says, I don't think it ever occurred to us that he wouldn't acknowledge the basis. This elemental thing that these guys were fighting at each other's throats, it was so hard to get past that and try to, you know, explain to him like this had become a cult. And the interviewer asked him, he said, did you record the meeting? Did he know that? And he said, yeah, I had a really inexpensive tape recorder. I don't recall if I had it out for a while. I I think it was underneath the table and I was doing it clandestinely. And then they note in the movie, due to its poor quality, the recording was never released to the public. So during the meeting, they offered him a $200 royalty check. And the interviewer says, did he take the money? And Mitchell says, no, Mm. he refused it. And Eddie was disappointed. And, um, you know, because he was like, this is our chance to share with him. And Mitchell says, yeah, I felt disappointed too. Um, You know, sort of morally, this sort of inner this ethical thing for me, I felt obligated. I really did. I just wanted to be like, okay, you know, this is the least we can do for this guy. And then eventually toward the end of the meeting, uh, he's, he said, well, we got to get going, Peter. And Peter says, well, fellas, we could get a room. Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, nah, we're good. How old is Peter at this point? Fuck. Uh, I'm going to guess late 50s, early 60s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And let's he, get around. Yeah. 
And then let's they, get some poppers and get a room. And then they just saw him stumble into the rainy night. Hell yeah. <laughs> and walk back to the Taylor Hotel and off they went. So Eddie's back in LA the following night and he's sitting in a crowd and it's the theater. There's famous people there mm-hmm. watching, you know, people see Peter and Ray. And he says, I felt strange and uncomfortable. And he said, at this point, I felt like this thing had snowballed out of our control. Yeah. And Mitchell agrees and said, our role uh, as pivotal players had changed. Now, we see that in the end of the play, this is obviously a directorial choice that Gibbs had made in the play, that one of them murders the other in the play. Oh, shit. And in the play, Ray decapitates Peter and holds his head, screaming, shut your fucking mouth. Shut your fucking mouth. Probably because he was tired of hearing, shut up, little man. Yeah. Well, Gibbs says during the end of the run, I remember sitting down with Eddie and Mitchell, and we did a handshake deal and decided that, you know, we're going to go 50-50 on this in case anything comes out of it. And Eddie says in the audience, there's all these film people, and uh, one of the people's name was redacted. there's there's a lot of that in here and she had a development company and actually contacted us about optioning the film rights for shut up little man well at the end of the play gibbs uh he says i went to go meet with them and i went in with exhibitions and stuff and i did a full pitch how this is the odd couple meets waiting for godot meets taking acid in hell and they came back to me and they said we love it well mitch says so for the first time we went down there they put us in a really nice hotel. Eddie said it was a blast. Mitch and I always have fun together. And by the way, they go down Hollywood Boulevard. Okay. And for a split second. They see Superman? Oh. Yes. Really? Yes. He's there? We see Christopher <gasps> Dennis. No way. And Wonder oh, Woman. Wow. From episode what? Uh, I don't 13, know. 13. Of Down on the Docks, wow. Confessions of a Superhero. Sick. So you see him just in the split shot there. I thought that was <laughs> like, Whoa. So serendipitous Mitch says we do these sort of boardrooms and talk about various aspects, various elements of the whole phenomenon. Just before he takes a shower in his fucking Superman outfit. <laughs> That's the creepiest part of that. Movie. <laughs> it really is. Hey, do you want to take a shower with me in our Superman <laughs> costumes? Our anyway, uh, go, go listen to it. down on the docks yeah, episode, episode 13, 13. If you need to get caught up on that. Well, the poor whole point of this is, they end up signing a development deal with redacted films. So, so fucking what redacted. Is, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? What is this? A uh, uh, homeless cats fighter in the kids subreddit <laughs> yeah, podcast? All fucking, of a sudden, let's go get some changs. So, <laughs> let's get some changs. Mitchell says, "Wow, they want to make a movie about our lives, not just Ray and Peter." So. Redacted motherfuckers. All right, let's go. Yep. Yep, let's go. Ray so who wouldn't that appeal to? Eddie says Greg was going to write a treatment, basically. He was going to get 20 grand to write the treatment. I got this sort of hysterical call from Redacted. <laughs> Sorry, Bapa. <laughs> One day. And she said, Eddie, Greg Gibbs. Well, we know the Redacted is a female at this yeah. point. Uh, Greg Gibbs ah, just stormed... <laughs> Stormed into my office and was making demands about giving me money. Who the fuck is this Gibbs? And Gibbs says, that's a lie. 
That's a complete lie. I never stormed in there. You know, that didn't happen. I didn't get a cent from them. Eddie, who the fuck is this Greg Gibbs? Gibbs says, I never made demands on them. I wasn't even in a position to demand anything from them. Well, Eddie says, you know, it's trying to explain to her, like, actually, he doesn't own anything. We copyrighted the material. We trademarked the name. Shut up, little man. Gibbs, basically, they did what everyone in Hollywood tries when they have a project. They cut people out. They both got greedy. And Eddie says, you know, I called in and checked in with Greg. Listen, Eddie, I created this phenomenon. Gibbs, yeah, Eddie, he's a very vindictive guy. Eddie, and he said, I created you. Greg, you know, he's just not a decent human being. Eddie, this guy's completely out of his gourd. Yeah, you don't matter, Papa. Yeah, Mitchell D, there was a falling out. He was fired by Redacted. Uh, Eddie says, Redacted called me back. And I decided I can't work with this guy. By the way, they do a brilliant, brilliant directorial choice. Okay. Every time they redact something, uh -huh. it's, it's shut out. up, little man. <laughs> Damn it. That was going to be a blur. Well, they blur out the faces. <laughs> yeah. But they, <laughs> when they it. talk, it's shut, shut up, up, little man. man. Sick. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Gibbs says, I didn't know what to think. I mean, it was a really big blow to me. I went in there and pitched this. I did the play. I set up this deal and they're cutting me out. Now we go back to Tony on audio. I've seen these fucking podheads, Peter. Hmm. Okay, they uh, they'll smoke a joint of weed. <laughs> no, mm -hmm. of what else? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, he's some bitches eat. <laughs> yes, <laughs> makes them hungry. Yes, it does. Peter, usually something sweet though. Oh, boy. Let's yeah, go to San Francisco, boy. 2010. Yeah, it's creepy. So Eddie says, you know, I'm back in San Francisco, and Mitchell's flying in, and we're going to go, you know, hit up the old sites and go to the old Pepto-Bismol Palace, sort of have the shut-up-little-man tourism mm -hmm. experience. Um, I found the address of Tony Newton, the only surviving mm -hmm. link to yeah, the shut-up Yeah, Ray's dad, I'm assuming, at this point. Uh, he's got to raise dead at this point. He's got yeah be. by 2010 for uh -huh. sure. P so is Peter. Oh, okay. So we see the exterior of a shitty hotel in the Tenderloin, and Eddie says going to meet Tony. It's uncomfortable actually because there's sort of a fascination about more information about Peter and Raymond. What was the essence of their relationship? Were they lovers? Were they not lovers? You know, meeting Tony. You know, like he's the actual living link on the planet besides Mitchell and I, but he actually lived with them. But, you know, all that being said, Tony's a pretty disturbing character. Mm. So I feel like I'm going to have to tread really lightly. Okay. Now, note, after Ray's death in 92, mm -hmm. Peter lived. Whoa, so he didn't really last much longer. <sighs> Buddy, he four was... liters of wine a day. And he, he, did it, he was described as a big dude, though, wasn't he? He was a little, it's weird because he was in the first meeting when Eddie met him, but we later see pictures and it's like every alcoholism in reverse. They all end up just a bag of bones because yeah. I don't know if you eating. know this exactly. Alcoholics just stop eating yeah. towards the end and yeah. all they do is drink. drink. Yeah. So anyway, um, in 1993, 
they discover that Tony was sentenced to three years imprisonment for mm. assaulting Peter. Mm-hmm. So Eddie and Mitch make their way into this, you know, flea bag hotel. Sure. And it's all audio at this point. Okay. And you hear Mitch and he's like, oh yeah, my uncle Tony lives in 301. Mm-hmm. I just want to go say hi to him. And he's like, all right, I need your ID. And then he gets up there and he's like, hi, Tony. Um, and he's like, are you Tony? We're working on this film project based on Raymond Huffman. You remember old Raymond? Yeah. You used to work with him. Yeah. And we're wondering if you'd be like, you know, interviewed for the film. Mitch, could we talk to you for a little bit? Pay you for your time? Uh, I done forgot all that bullshit. <laughs> Come on, man. It's your chance for fame and glory. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well... All right, for fame and glory. That kind of sorry shit I could do without. Drove me crazy anyway. Who did? They did. All that hollering and shit. Yeah. Nah, I don't want to get into it. You have to do without my story. So they don't even make it in. This is just through the doorway. And Mitch says, I think the first experience I had with somebody really feeling like somebody was preying on the material was my experience with a friend of mine at the time named David Stein. Well, because they're on their tour of LA, or excuse me, San Francisco, it's obviously they're looking for stories, you know, to complete this documentary. Mm -hmm. They run up with their old pal, David Stein, Mitch's former friend. And Mitch says, a person living in the apartment below him was affiliated with Zebra Films. Mm. Redacted became familiar with the shut up little man recordings and approached David and said, Hey, let's make a movie of this. Yeah. And the next thing I know, David is coming to me saying, Hey, redacted. And I are going to get a hold of Peter. We're going to make a movie. And I, you know, I was just completely blown away by this. I was bewildered. When we meet this David Stein character, he says, you know, he sit with Mitch. He says, I think the last time you and I had contact was like 94, maybe 92. Mm -hmm. I was living South of market and redacted. (laughs) and that's when i turned him on to the recordings and he was like wow this is this is cool let's go make this movie and that's when you and i became separated because of you know what we did and how you went about doing it and mitch is like well yeah i remember once you were exposed to the material i don't know if it was because you were associated with redacted (laughs) tell them about recordings b (laughs) well stein says well, he wanted to make the movie. And I was like, I'll help you make this movie. And then we got a hold of an entertainment lawyer. And he's like, look, if you guys want to make this movie, scum, you got to get a release. That Keep in mind, Peter is still alive at this time. Mm-hmm. Because the recordings that Eddie and Mitchell made, they obviously did not have permission to record them. Yeah, so let's go kill Peter. So as far as they're concerned, they really don't have a We're going to kill Peter. That's how as far as... Okay, well, <laughs> I sorry. Like, oh, sorry, go on. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> I'm talking to myself here. Yeah, Mitchell D says, the whole thing was a personal attack on me, you know, from, from you at that time. He's talking to Stein because I was like, oh, okay. you, know, you know, we had this tearful exchange because we'd become so close and saying, David, you're basically choosing the film over my friendship with you. And David's or the Steins agreeing with him the whole time. And he's like, would you have done anything different at the time? And he said, I should have never have done it. Uh, probably because it bombed. Uh, or maybe because he never got it made. Uh, he says, I certainly shouldn't have thrown my relationship away with you, but I was 21 years old at the time. I was hungry, and I was just trying to get my first movie made. 
Um, so let's check back in with Rosenthal. <coughs> He's the producer behind the project. Okay. He says, I was a huge fan of Shut Up, Little Man, uh, every, every, like everybody else. And the comics would, would, comic books would come out and I'd buy them immediately. Mm-hmm. And I love this stuff. But it wasn't until Greg Gibbs contacted me who'd done the play. And he had an idea to promote a film project. So he came to me and he showed me the script for the play. And he showed me uh, a video of the play. And I was fascinated. I got excited about doing the film. I had a grand vision for the film. I wanted Brando and Nicholson as Pete and Ray. He's not kidding. Like he's not, that's not like, you know, being, you know, uh, hyperbolic. He really thought like this was the pro- the biggest project to get the two biggest Hollywood A-list actors on. And he said, you know, I my plan was we'd get them, I'd built this set and I'd get the booze flowing and just make it real and we'd shoot for three days and we'd get it. And then we'd have the most amazing movie ever made. The whole issue though, of course, was copyright. So I hired a big time LA entertainment lawyer and uh, you know, the idea was let's figure out how to get this made and be covered. So he said the kids made the tapes, but they sent them out with an anti-copyright. So when they later claim copyright, the question is, can you even do that? Can you change your mind uh, once you've let the cat out of the bag? The other question is, can you copyright material that's recorded surreptitiously? Then there was another issue of a contract that was alleged to exist. Well, Stein, he says, Peter was still alive. We needed him to get that release. We had to get his signature on. So, yes, you can use my likeness and image and things like that. Now, how do we go about that? I don't know if you know the true story or not. So we knock on his door. Mm -hmm. And... Peter's like, who is it? <laughs> Let's go get a room. <laughs> and we're like, it's David Stein and redacted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we want to talk to you about doing a story about your life. So we go in and of course, you know, he's got a single bed, uh, empty plastic bottles of vodka and orange soda. Ooh. So we're like five to six drinks in. And sure enough, I went out to use the bathroom and I come back in and I see redacted there, and he's making out with Peter. No! <laughs> no, that's why he's redacted. And sure enough, fucking the rest re- is history. The fucking well, redact. We see the, the contract terms. Guess how much they paid him. Um, This is in what year? 2010? Yeah. No, I'd say early 2000s. Early 2000s? Late 90s, early 2000s. $15,000. $10. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my God. Somebody needed a better entertainment. Attorney. They spent more money liquoring this guy up yeah. to make out with him than they did but, paying him. But where, why, <laughs> how and where and why did they come up with this $10? I don't know. Interesting. But it says $10 on the contract. Huh. So Rosenthal is like, they took him out, got him drunk, and they got him to sign the document. That well, seems like it's very. You can't illegal. do that. It yeah. isn't. It's Rosenthal not, says that he says that's I mean the fucking contract itself writing the contract costs more than absolutely the actual contract well Rosenthal says of course you can't do that so there was questions about every aspect of the situation and it seemed the only way to unify the rights was to make direct contact with the subjects themselves now this is where it gets interesting by 1995 
there are three different film projects vying for the rights for Peter and Raymond's story. Right. So let's break down the three parties. Are you ready? Ready. First party. There's Redacted. Got it. And David Stein. Yeah. Rinks and, rinks and Redact. <laughs> uh, party two. There's Eddie, Mitch, and Redacted. Another one. Uh-huh. Oh, he's doubling up, double dipping. And lastly, Greg Gibbs and producer Henry Rosenthal. Okay. So Stein says at this point, you know, this looks like to be a free-for-all. Whoever gets it first, they're the one that's going to get their, you know, project. First to made. market, best in show. Yep. So Rosenthal gets a call from a local reporter in San Francisco by the name of George Cothran. And he starts asking me questions about, shut up, little man. Mm-hmm. Well, Greg Gibbs says, I started getting into the whole nitty-gritty of the story, and the guy, like, engaged me. Uh-huh. And Rosenthal says, I asked him, who are you? Why are you asking me these questions? And he's like, oh, I'm just a fan. Yeah. I'm just an interested guy. Yeah, yeah. And Gibbs says, well, close to the end of it, uh, I find out he's taping the whole thing for an article. I'm like, dude, I didn't know I was on the record. What do you mean? What is this? Well, ultimately, George Cothran from San Francisco Weekly got in touch with us, telling us he wanted to do a cover story on the whole thing. A recap of everything that's transpired this far with the Shut Up Little Man phenomenon. We thought, oh, sweet, cool. You know, come on out. Well, Rosenthal says, I kind of told him where I was with my project. And then all of a sudden, I realized he was trying to get a hold of Pete. I was trying to find Pete, and I really had to step up my search. So next, we see a videotape from 1995 of Peter Haskett. Okay. And he's living in this tiny shithole motel room. And Rosenthal is in there, and he says, look, um... If the agreement seems reasonable to you, we could sign that and I could give you the money and then we could talk for a few minutes and then I'll leave you alone. Well, he holds up a check um, and we see Peter sign a document. He's literally signing it on his bed. The room's so small. Right. And he hands him a check for $100. Hmm. And Rosenthal's like, okay, check's there. I just handed it to you. So we're all good now. Peter's like, pardon? Rosenthal's like, it'll be good. You know, it'll go through. I assure you that. Uh. And he says, my interviews with Pete were done in three segments. One where I reached him myself. And then the next day I come back. Well, George Cothran coincidentally shows up at the same time. Okay. So we see more videotape from that next day. And Peter's like, uh, I need to find out where everybody got to know me. Yeah. <laughs> says, so about that. Catherine can't wait. Oh, He's jumping no. out of his bridges. So look, real, real quick. Yeah. Um in for what are the names of the people responsible for recording? Uh Mitchell and in, Eddie Lee Sauce. Okay. Are they part of any group yes. that are vying which one? They are that's um remember the parties. There's yeah. redacted and David Stein. Okay. There's Eddie, Mitch, and Redacted, okay. so we don't know. Okay. And lastly, so it could be the same Redacted, or it could be a different Redacted. I don't think so because Greg Gibbs was involved with Henry mm. Rosenthal, and Rosenthal is in the room mm. with George Cothran. So it's the a different Redacted. Yes. Got it. Yes. Cleared it up for me now. I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, well. I mean, I guess there's real no no real way to to know. Well, keep in mind if Greg Gibbs is in or Rosenthal's in there, get back on the fryers and find out. 
I see Chief. what you did there. Uh, keep in mind, if Rosenthal's in there with Greg Gibbs, there's no redacted in that party. Okay? But if Eddie and Mitch, they have a redacted in yes. theirs. And then, and then David Stein, who snaked Mitch, yeah. he had a redacted. But we don't know if it's the same or different. Yeah. Exactly. Presumably different. Presumably correct. So anyway, George is like, oh, I can tell you the story because I know the whole story. And Peter's like, what's this all about? Yeah. How do you guys know me so well? What, what's your name again? I, I live mean, next to you. George says, my name's George Cawthorn. Uh, so anyway, this is the best I can explain, Mr. Haskett. 1987, you were living at 237 Steiner Street in apartment three, correct? And Peter's like, yeah, correct. And he says, well, two young gentlemen in their mid to late 20s named Mitchell D. Uh, and Eddie Lee Sausage, they moved in next door to you. And some of the tumultuous disagreements that you had to, you know, with your roommates, Raymond Huffman and Tony Newton, they could hear them um, in their apartment because the walls were thin. And the arguments sometimes were rather loud. They decided that for whatever reason, that it would be interesting to tape those arguments. Um, I understand also they would sneak microphones into your window. Um, so what happened was between 87 and 89, they made a series of tapes uh, about 10 hours worth, and they sent them to friends who copied them. Peter goes, where did they live? Oh, my God. And Cawthon's like, they live... a fucking boomer. Right next <clears throat> door. He's got wet brain, bro. I know, yeah. Peter was no angel. I know. Ray may have done four <laughs> bottles of <laughs> wine, but he's doing vodka. Yeah, giving him some CTE, yeah. Papa. <laughs> Bash his head in. So he says, they live right next door to you. And Peter goes, Really? I don't recall that. I don't recall people living next door to me in an apartment. And oh, was it an apartment or a house? Apartment. Apartment, yeah. And Cawthorn says, you would say to Ray, shut up, little man. Yeah. Shut up, little man. Oh, Ray. And, and, and they found that funny. You know, 20-somethings, they find things ironic and funny. <laughs> yeah, like I was like downplaying <laughs> of the tapes. Like, eh, no, it's just like these stupid little... It's weird because you can't you can't tell if he's downplaying or if he's literally like baby talking to him because yeah. brain because Ray's got mush, wet brain. Mush brain, yeah. Yeah, because um, I don't want to accuse anybody of doing anything, you know, because it's tough to tell. Sure, I, so, agree. I agree. I wouldn't want to accuse him either. So anyway, but I like how he says about 14 hours, like yeah. bitch, about 15 hours. Anyway, he says all over the world, these tapes got sent and you became something of a celebrity. You and Ray and Tony became pop culture celebrities, which is sucks when you're not rich and follow me. Wait, wait, the story gets better, <laughs> Peter. That's true. I did re tell Ray, shut up, little man. <laughs> I'd forgotten that. Oh, fucking dumb fuck. I love it. Catherine, well, everyone was taken, especially with your sense of humor. Yeah. They thought you had a sort of, well, elan. He's massaging him right now. Frankly, a bitchy sort of elan. You know, it's like, shut up, little man. Shut up, little man. They found that humorous. Yeah. They found it humorous. Greg, the playwright, who's now working with Henry, he found it humorous too. So he wrote a play about it. Now, here's the thing. He could be on Rosenthal's side or he could just be on his own side because he's trying to write a, write a great story. Right. Keep in mind, they randomly just ran into each other yeah. the same day. Yeah. So it looks like it was the same camera from the day before that Rosenthal had. Right. So I'm guessing... Catherine went in there to do a story. He sees Rosenthal and he's like, okay, 
I see what you're up to. Yeah. I'll be, we'll help each other sure. out. But let's also maintain some sort of dignity for this guy who's got wet brain. Yeah. But yeah. I want yeah. my story, you want your movie. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe we are yeah. saying yeah. what we're saying yeah. now. Yeah. 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 So, but it's, you know, it's legit. It's legal. Sure. I mean, Ray still has the right to, they're not liquoring him up for Christ's right. sake. There's no amyl nitrate yeah. that's entered yeah. the room. Nobody's nah. doing whip hits off his asshole. No. Nah, and Peter's a nice guy. Yeah. Never for met him. A bitchy alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So, never met him. Anyway, Rosenthal says, um, there, it wasn't just about the humor. You were insightful. And Catherine says, insightful and humorous about human nature right. and the way relationships work. Oh, wow. <laughs> you, you know what the title of the play was, Peter? Shut up, little man. Wow. So then the play throughout this period of time started, shut up, little man. Uh, exactly. Frankly, <laughs> yeah, you become a pop culture celebrity bigger that must suck to hear that though dude yeah. you go your whole life you go you're a miserable drunk yep your fucking uh roommate dies yep you're living with tony weirdo you're who, fucking now who later beats you up and, and then does now, three years in the joint and now you're and now you're a sad old 60 something 70 something year old not and even I'm, yeah late 50s whatever 60s. late 50s and you're just you know you're famous and you're not rich Right, Which and sucks. you have you have a hundred dollars, and you got a hundred and a ten dollar contract. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. So anyway, he says there's Gross. thousands and thousands of teenagers and adults across the country <laughs> who've listened to these tapes, which are now actually on CD. And now that there's been plays, T-shirts, a comic book was done. So you know, you don't like the underground comic books, Peter. Well, who do I sue? Uh oh. <laughs> So this point, no, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about here. No, 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 no. You can't exactly sue. We see all the merch that has been created. Oh boy. So, you know, Eddie Lee Sausage, he was doing the mail order handling of all the CDs, and he even at one point was selling Peter and Raymond death certificates. Oh, for three bucks a piece. Cool. Um. And Catherine says, how do you feel now that you're the subject of a fascination by playwrights and movie producers and journalists and people writing comic books? How does that make you feel? And Peter says, I still want that kid down south to play me. What's his name? Brad Pitt. Oh, yeah, Brad Pitt. <laughs> of course he does. Yeah, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. If you could get him, I'll sign my rights away. Rosenthal, I remember Brad Pitt. Yeah, that's who you want to play you. Well, here's the bottom line. None of the three parties trying to make a Shut Up Little Man film succeeded. Oh, so, except for this one. Exactly. So next we see a movie made about Peter and Raymond named Shut Your Dirty Little Mouth, mm. released in 1999 and directed by Robert Tacher. Brad Pitt wasn't in it. No, no. he wasn't. No. He was so, too busy doing... Uh, the, Troy? Or, or Rome, Black? True Romance? <laughs> Joe Black? No, this is, yeah, 99, this is, you're yeah, right. Yeah, it's even later. Yeah. So let's move to Detroit. It's 2010. Superfan Dan Augustine's there. Um, they watch the interview with Peter and they're laughing hysterically. 
And, you know, at one point, Peter changes his mind in the interview. He's like, I'm, I'm old enough that I don't even care anymore. Yeah. And, you know, these guys are watching it because this is their new fix of Peter and Raymond, but there's no Ray. And they're like, you know what? I can't do it. It's too sad for me. Peter doesn't work by himself. Yeah. You know, he's got he's just, screeching. Yeah. He's like, walking around the house. Yeah. And just a sad queen. Yeah. Another fad's like, I understand your sister's point that uh, she pities these guys looking at him. I really do pity him. Um, yeah. This guy's just a broken man. Yeah. Fan. He has no clue. He's just out of it. You know what? Just hearing him say, shut up, little man, like that in the same voice, that brings it all home. It's like Evil Knievel doing one last stunt from one of our recent episodes. Hey, Evil Knievel. Um, right before he retires, you know, and, you know, still nailing the jump. Maybe, you know, what else is there to say about him? Maybe, maybe it's time we grew up now. Let's get back to Peter. That's So he's in the room and he's like, yeah, you both seem to have learned an awful lot about me that I don't even know. <laughs> well, Close says, like, you've been recording me or something. <laughs> Close says, I'm sure he thought you just mentioned this, and this is so spot on, which I love. He says, I'm sure he thought he just pissed his life away in an alcoholic <laughs> stupor, and then to have somebody walk into your life randomly uh, well. one day and say, you know, by the way, you have millions of fans uh, around the world. No, I know. And everybody appreciates your clever wordplay. And there's something about you that we all respond to and relate to on a human level. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's like everybody's dream and also everybody's nightmare in a way. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, because there are people, I have to think about this. We have sides to ourselves. And my side that I've always never embraced, that I've always wanted to embrace, is like... Your gay side. No. Is like the Bukowski dropout from society, live in a fucking shitty motel yeah. with a neon sign hanging outside of it. And oh, just, so my life. <laughs> just <laughs> oh, right. Got it. Just right mm -hmm. and not give a fuck about anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then reality creeps in and says... But you like showers. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Shower. Yeah. You like to, uh -huh. you like clean underwear every yeah. day. You know, so, but you know, maybe this guy really wanted that. He just was yeah. like, fuck it. I want to be a drunk. I want, I don't want anybody to fucking remember me. I right. want to disappear because there are many people that do this all the sure. time, disappear from society and live these lives. And we look at them from the outside and we say, Oh man, it must be awful. How do we know they're not like this is fucking what I like? You yeah, know? I mean, people conflate being rich, like being famous with being rich. So what they want is to be rich. They don't want to be famous, right? And this is actually kind of the perfect storm where your voice is famous, right? Nobody's gonna fucking recognize you when you're out in the Castro trying to suck some dick. <laughs> but but unless he hears you go, oh little man. <laughs> And shut up little you know unless you hear that you're not like you're not like oh this is peter from that fucking you know whatever stupid shit right um so anyway we hear more recordings of ray and peter ray you ain't nothing but a piece of fucking shit you don't fight right and i could kill you you're a dirty fighter and you know it. <laughs> you don't play right and I can kill you and I know it. You want to try? You try it. Don't you understand? I'll kill you, you cocksucker. 
Don't you understand? Don't fuck with me, you fucking piece of shit. Oh, shut up, little man. You don't have... Don't fuck with me. <laughs> oh, shut up, little man. You don't have the willpower to kill me. You ain't nothing but a fucking piece of shit. You're a sick little man. I am healthy. That is dying from the same thing your brother died of. Uh, Bullshit. I'm a healthy man. You're a fucking piece of shit. Ray, you shut up, little man. Well, Eddie says, now everybody got a, a cell phone. Everybody can hear everybody, you know, their neighbors fighting. And again, they ask this question, how would this have been different if Ray and yeah, Peter people had, some, but they'd been videotaped. Okay, yeah. People, like, <clears throat> right, exactly. Like, people submit this kind of shit now, and they make mm -hmm. up this kind of shit. Right. That's why it is, it, I could see it being compelling to uh, right to Because it's housewives. real. It's not well. You, there's nothing worse when you see a video online and it's got thousands of clicks, yeah. and then you click on it and you're like, "Oh, this is fake as fuck." Yeah. What are these morons doing watching it? Yeah, millions. Or of why are videos. they even taking the time to say this is fake as fuck? Yeah. Just ignore it. Right. You know. Anyway, Brunetti says maybe this is really horrible that I'm laughing at this. Who knows? Like maybe the whole thing is kind of immoral. And Rosenthal brings up this issue of morality. I like how they keep saying immoral and not illegal. But okay, go on. Well, we're going to get to that. I can already tell the, this, this, the things. Well, I already know the things. Rosenthal says the issue of morality is really in the recording itself. Is it acceptable to record people without their knowledge and then exploit it? And Eddie says, I mean, the thing is, you know, living next door to these absolute lunatics, the whole spectrum shifted so much. Standing outside with a microphone on a veranda at three in the morning on Tuesday night didn't seem weird anymore. Personally, I have no problem with what they did. Fucking zero. Yeah. And I'll tell you this because I lived in Hollywood and I've been in these situations yeah. where I've called animal control on people that have neglected their animals, mm -hmm. neighbors that won't shut the fuck up. Right. If you fucking are disrespectful of people's spaces it's game on motherfucker yeah i'm uh, i'm sort of in the same camp especially if you can hear it i don't necessarily like the microphone in the window okay interesting that you bring that up because you know gibbs I mean? gibbs says that but right i mean here. like if it's just outside the window it's okay and is it going to really make that much of a difference in the sound probably not so I'm, I'm i'm at a standstill on the morality like here at this point but you know it does feel a little shitty to, exp to make money off of it. Okay, again, Gibbs addresses this right here. He says, if they're just sitting in their own house and they put their tape recorder on and listening, they have every right to. But once yeah. you actually start sticking a microphone <clears throat> at somebody's apartment, I think it's a different issue. And I don't see And then calling them and riling them up on purpose? Zero problem with any of this. I'm just, I'm not saying I have Listen, a problem with it, but I can see the If you're going to be argument. a couple of fucking assholes mm -hmm. disturbing loud, my yeah. sleep... I don't give a fuck if I if, if I plant a microphone inside of your, your house asshole. while you're gone. <laughs> put it if up I go in there and bug it, yeah. fuck you. Bug your asshole. Anyway, Mitchell says it crossed my mind. Uh, of course, you know, am I invading the privacy? Uh, but that conversation did not only take place within the confines of their dwelling; it exceeded the walls. It went beyond the confines of where the conversation was taking place. So therefore, it's public domain. Yeah. I want you to quit stealing my vodka, you fat motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, you hear that more than fucking once or twice a day? 
Fuck you. So Brunetti says, I think at that point, when they didn't have to make those recordings for purposes of showing the police, but they realized they were just compelling, and then they decided, let's just keep doing it. I think at that point, you're getting into the territory of what art is. Yeah. So the interviewer says, is the act of recording Peter and Ray art? And Gibbs says, is it art? No, I don't think so. What'd you do after it? No, I think doing something uh, was what they recorded is art. So his whole point is, it's not art unless you take it and do something with it. I think as soon as they fucking took something and shared it, it's art. Sure. I think if I think it's art if they're just in a room with the two of them recording it and laughing. Um, and maybe Gibbs is pissed because he never got his film made and there's some bad blood between him and well, yeah. Eddie. If you're if you're a photographer and you take a picture of two people meeting. I was thinking about this too. And it's like, well, that's your photography art. Yeah. And they're the ones meeting each other and yeah. they're the ones in the picture. They're yeah. the subjects of the art, but yeah. they're not the art. Well, this is just like recording a conversation, just like you say. The act of recording is actually art. I actually agree with that. But there's also street photographers that consider this all the time. They'll be like, they'll ask permission. Sure. You know, because like Indians, they think if you don't have permission, their souls are gone. Well, when you take a picture, <laughs> is, that, is that why I couldn't get little foot on a fucking Polaroid? Ha! <sighs> I might have. Just thought that one time when I was high. I don't know. <laughs> but the good. whole point is you see like these very famous street artists like Vivian Mayer, for instance, who we're going to cover on this show. She would capture shots. And sometimes I think she would ask and sometimes she wouldn't because, again, your subject is going to change. If you have their knowledge, they're going to change the form of their very subject. And sometimes you don't want their form to change. So you sneak the picture, you know. So that's another interesting argument. Um, anyway, uh, let's get back to Peter. You don't have any friends. I have friends. Tony has friends. John Silver has friends. You don't have any friends. So we also see that Mitch and Eddie Lee Sausage, they have a website. And, you know, on their website, which I encourage everybody to check out because I'm pro Mitch and Eddie. I think yeah. if you survive this shit, you're fucking entitled to it. Okay. Uh, and life's not fair. Sometimes you luck into sweet fucking deals, mm-hmm. and they lucked into a good fucking deal with these goddamn morons, mm-hmm. all right? Yeah. That's how I look at it. Good. They've got their CDs on there. You can buy them. They have testimonials. They have links to all their stuff. And it's a, it's a fun website, so check it out if you want. It's shutuplittleman.com. But they do have pictures of Ray slumped over in a chair next to an ashtray full of cigarettes. All right. Eddie says, I felt like an urban field recording artist, you know, someone who's capturing this great material and then adding to the folklore, these little details by paying attention to what happened to Peter and Raymond and these little details like the skull in the window or witnessing Raymond sitting next to a six foot stuffed bunny, capturing these little details of their lives and assembling it as sort of urban folktale. And he also adds, I think that really great art is a mirror. If you really bring your whole humanity to anything and you stare into really good provocative art, and I would say shut up, little man falls into that place, you can see so much. So let's get back to Mitch because they're still on a mission for Tony. Well, we see him walking 
back to Tony's flea bag motel and he's got a plastic bag. Okay. You know, it's a black plastic bag. All right. And he says, this is our second attempt to try and see Tony. Okay. And they would only allow two of us in here. So it's just me and the cameraman. And then he's going to wait downstairs because it's SOR rules. You know what that is? S-O-R? S-R-O. S-R-O is? Single residency occupancy. occupancy. So you're only allowed to have two people up at a time because these rooms are tiny. Got it. So <clears throat> Mitchell gets to the door and he knocks. And we see this on camera. And you hear, yeah. And Tony cracks the door open just barely. Yeah. Hey, Tony, it's Mitch. How are you? Tony shuts the door. Okay. <laughs> Tony, I have some money for you to talk for a minute. I brought you a six pack too. Yeah, baby. I don't need no six pack. Go get me some two bug chucks. <laughs> Can you just let me talk to you from the door for a minute? I just have one question for you, Tony. One question. I don't hear good. Let me ask you a question, Tony. What? I want to know about the nature of the relationship between Peter and Ray. What was that relationship all about? I don't got no answer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Eddie interjects. To me, shut up, little man is not exploitative. And I made a decision at the very, very beginning of this whole thing. Like, I'm going to record these people. Take advantage of their sad madness, their hilarious madness, and make money. He says, I'm not. That wasn't my goal. Uh, I wasn't to make myself yeah. famous, blah, blah, blah. You know, I would feel like I would be living in purgatory right now right. if that was my intention. So Tony says, why can't you make an appointment sometime? I don't know. I haven't even combed my hair today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could wait for you. Interview it, Eddie, because they're intercutting between these yep, two scenes, yep, so you have yep. to forgive me. So why do you still do it? What's the fascination? And Eddie says, at times I got to the point like, what am I doing here? What is this? What are we doing? Do people really need to hear all this? The impetus behind it was because I had literally boxes of mail. People are clamoring from this stuff. They pestered me for literally seven or eight years. And I did feel a responsibility as the person who brought this into the world to get it done and get it out there. Mm -hmm. Now they show him, he, he's not lying. It's not a few letters. He's got hundreds and hundreds of letters that yeah. come in. And, you know, you hear these letter writers and they're like, whatever happened to Tony? And, and he says, every yeah. two or three months, I get somebody saying, we in Tulsa love Tony. What happened to him? Yeah, these are like early blogs almost. Yeah, dude. yeah. These are like, these are like, <clears throat> this is sweet recording stuff. Like people, people love this kind of stuff back mm -hmm. in the day, man. This was, this was gold. Can you find Tony? We love Tony's lines. So we're back at the door, and uh, Tony's like, I, I don't even know you guys. Well, I used to live next door to Peter and Ray. I used to live in apartment four at 237 Steiner, and you live with them occasionally in apartment three. And there are a lot of people interested in the Peter and Raymond story that you're a part of. Eddie reads us another letter. Hey, you filthy cocksucker. I spent two months searching for more Raymond and Peter's CDs, <laughs> and then I found your website. Thank God. At least I reached the Holy Land, where the words of the prophet Raymond can be heard. <laughs> I am the human race, you fucking queer. <laughs> I gotta listen to these. I have enclosed the money order for $42. And I was like, I would like to order two shut up little man CDs and two cassettes. Thanks for being there. 
and recording these it. timeless words of wisdom. <laughs> and, you know, Eddie's got a little home office. Yeah. He's got the labels on the wall, the fucking manila envelopes All ready right, to go. Two CDs and yep. two cassettes. Yeah. And I, like I said, I don't disparage or blame this guy for any of this. You know, this is art he created. He's yeah. allowed to commercialize it if he wants to. Yeah. 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 I've got 100%. no problem with that. No, no, no. And then the I'm interview. I'm going to start going around fucking just recording everybody now. <laughs> you get it, but you gotta be at the right place at the yeah, right I time. Know, I know, I know. Uh, the interviewer says there's also money involved as well. Like you sell death certificates, Peter and Ray's death certificates. So is selling someone's death certificate part of the art? And then he says, for me personally, I don't like simple art. I'm bored by it. It bores the shit out of me. I don't want to look at it, and I don't want to see it. I want to read it. I don't want to hear it. I want stuff that's going to provoke me, push me around, make me think about my own condition. And there's always that extra level. What does it say about humanity, about our human experience? That's the stuff that thrills me. Well, back to Tony and Mitch. He still isn't in the door. I ain't selling out my life for $100. Oh, he knew? <laughs> Apparently Mitch offered. Whoa. Oh, okay. I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, it's just for your time. It's not selling out your life per se. We just want to ask you a couple questions about Peter and Ray. You know what? Come on in, and I'll, I'll tell you what. So Tony lets him in, and again, this is that classic Bukowski one one room bed microwave, yeah, alarm clock. The guy's drinking out of a cottage cheese tub. Hell it yeah, looks like water. Or Hell yeah. yeah, I've been there. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm not going to do Just anything. Just wait till you have to cut the two liter in half. To make a bong? To, no, to make a cup. <laughs> oh, even okay, worse. gotcha. Um, I'm not going to do anything. And he's like, this is Brian. You know, he's just filming everything. Uh, my name's Mitch Dupree. So I'm just going to set the beer down here. Okay. I'm going to put the money right here. Brian's like, do you want me to leave the door open? And Tony's like, close it. <laughs> yeah. And he, Mitch is like, you know, this is a legitimate project. And we're in San Francisco during the doc, doing the doc. And he's like, I know, you told me a hundred times. <laughs> oh, you remember now, huh? Stupid. <laughs> Do you remember much about Peter and Ray? How did you meet Ray? Probably at the bar. Mm -hmm. Because it was always interesting to me to hear them fighting. Peter would say, shut up, little man. And Ray would say, hey, look, you queer cocksucker. I despise queers. <laughs> Tony says, Ray would call him a queer and a queer son of a bitch. You was a queer when you were born. And you'll be a <laughs> fucking queer when you die. And everybody hates you. Oh, fuck. Mitch is like, oh, you remember that. That's funny. I had asked you when I was standing at the door about the nature of their relationship. Was the nature of their relationship, did they have sex? No, no, never. No, no, it's just... Ray was straight as an arrow, and Peter was fruitier than a goddamn pineapple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he stuck one up his ass, too. But they were friends. You know, that's the way it stayed until they was drunk, and they got drunk, and they was enemies. Yeah. Well, obviously, when they were quiet, when they weren't drunk, they seemed like they got along okay. Do you think they got along okay? Oh, heck yes. They got along great. If one of them was sick or in the hospital, they go see each other. Took care of one another, go to the store, do laundry for each other, you know, just like, you know, that they shared. Whoa, and they got drunk. Yeah. Was it a two bedroom apartment? No, one bed. Oh, fuck. So did they share the bed? Bedroom? Yeah, two single beds. Oh. It's like this he had a dining room table 
in the bedroom between the beds. Okay. Half was Peter's and half was Ray's. So they had kind of like a line right down the middle. They fucking Lucy and, and, Lucy and Ricky <laughs> Lucy and Ricky the shit. All right, well, I'm taking a shit on your side. Um, when Ray died, Peter wanted to start that shit with me. He thought he was. You mean the fighting? Yeah, but I don't argue with him. He, he want to yell at me all the time, argue with him, and I wouldn't do that. So I just get enough of it, and I knock the shit out of him. Oh, fuck. It's probably why I ended up doing three years. Oh, my God. So we see a vintage picture of Peter and Raymond, and Raymond's got a dog on his lap, and they actually look happy. Okay. <laughs> so Just friends. Eddie gets to see this footage, and he says, you know, watching this footage of Tony, you know, for the first time, it's like a collision of so many different emotions. Um, utterly riveted, almost broke down and cried at one point because it's like, you know, you really understand the kind of devastation in these guys' lives and the fact that, you know, the dynamic between Peter and Ray, you know, really screwed up this guy's life too in a way. I mean, he's addressing that, you know, just how insanely and maddening it was for him. It's just raw. It's a bunch of different stuff going on at once. Uh, so let's get back to Mitch and Tony. So, you know, thank you for letting us in. And Tony says, I didn't know Peter was dead. Uh, you know, uh, that made me happy. And Mitch is like, really? Peter and, was dead? Yeah. Huh. And he's like, yeah. And Mitch is like, yeah, he uh, passed away in 95. And Tony says, I wish I knew where he was buried. I go piss on his fucking grave. <laughs> of course he would. Damn, I, I wonder. Let's go. Tell me why. Pretty. That's it. That's how they end it. Whoa. But when he when he says that, you're just like, holy, holy shit. shit. So they don't explain why he hates him. I mean, he wanted to continue this. He, he, he loves the fighting. He's a yeah. fucking. He was just a little. He was a little fucking bitchy queen, just like I've yeah, said. Yeah, and he and Ray goes. He just and he wanted, wanted to Tony, pick a fight. Tony to take his place. Fucking, you know. So turn Ray into an alcoholic. That son of a bitch. I mean, they found each other in a bar. I'm sure they fucked. They maybe they did. They fucked. I don't get the feeling they did. No. Um. So yeah, Eddie and you know Mitch, they. <laughs> Feel like they've accomplished their mission. We see Mitch back at home playing football with his kid. Eddie's got uh, a, a woman, probably his wife, I'm assuming, with a bun in the oven. And, you know, Ivan says, Eddie, Sausage, and Mitchell, I'm sure they question, like, whether or not they were doing the right thing and are we bad people for doing this. But, mm -hmm. you know, like, on the other hand, to deprive us, the rest of us, from hearing this material, I think that would have been a greater evil. It's like killing history or something. Yeah, oh, I bet. Close says, that's the amazing thing. In a world nobody else would ever be party to, you know, God knows how many shut up little mans are going on right now around us. And we, how would you ever have access to that? It's a completely sealed off world. Uh, another guy says, the fact that their story is spread worldwide in this underground current and has remained so vital, it says a lot about us and our fascination with people. We don't know and how we really are voyeurs and how we listen to prank calls and real life kind of things we feel like we're watching something or listening to something we really shouldn't. So we hear Peter on tape again. Um, somebody asks him, did you love Ray? I mean, 
Did you have a fondness for Ray? Do you consider him someone important in your life that you loved? Or was he just sort of casual friend? And Peter says, oh no, he was, he was very important in my life. And they film, they frame the film with a really cool thing. Mm -hmm. They make it, they, there's, in the beginning, when, when Eddie talks about meeting Ray and describing him as the no-neck, they use an actor for that kind of stuff. And they intersperse, you know, what they imagine these two look like. And in the very end, we see a, re a recreation of actors and Peter's finishing up the dishes. He's got a smile on his face and he walks into the living room and extends his hand to Ray and Ray accepts it. And Peter pulls him up and they start dancing in the living room to a song <laughs> called Too Drunk to Dream, uh, written by S. Merritt and performed by the Magnetic Fields. <laughs> and then we slowly fade to black and we see their names, Raymond Huffman, born 09-20-1931, deceased 02-28-1992. Wait a minute. 61 years. That's what Ray got. Okay, how did he go to World War fucking two then? When he was 10 years old? He was a lying drunk. What the fuck, dude? Dude, of course. Maybe he did time in Korea. All right. Korea. He could have gone to Korea. Vietnam or Korea, man. Too old for the NAM. Is he? Well, I mean, you know, really. he would have been 30, the so early he, part of now. too old to do this with your trigger finger. Yeah. Uh, Peter Haskett, born 03-23-1928, uh, deceased 01-09-96. Well, he would have been, Peter would have been able to go to World War II. They don't let those guys in. They don't, <laughs> they they don't let, let us in the war. They, not that they didn't then. Have, don't ask, don't tell back then. So in 1992... Um, Military grade poppers. Raymond Hubman died of a heart attack brought on by colon cancer, pancreatitis, and alcoholism. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the third one is the key. Yeah, Peter Haskett died in 1996 uh, of liver problems due to alcoholism. Mm. Um, just some notes that I took regarding uh, the Shut Up Little Man uh, CD. It was released in '93. Uh, no, numerous volumes were issued later. Um, the guys who were in the movie, um, the Shut Your Dirty Little Mouth, it starred Gil Gale and Glenn Shaddix as Ray and Peter, respectively. Now, Glenn Shaddix has a very extensive resume. He was in a bunch of Tim Burton films. Um, so you might Edward recognize... Hands. I don't know if he was in that one. I'd have to check. Um, and... Uh, Lee also reported that the recordings found fame far beyond San Francisco. Uh, I went to see a New York City-based... Wait a minute. So I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't think Tim Burton did Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, he did. He did? Okay. Mm -hmm. I thought Danny Elfman just did the music. All right, go on. Yep. He says, I went to see New York-based John Zorn, one of my favorite jazz composers, performing with his experimental game-playing ensemble, Cobra. The keyboard player had sampled Shut Up, Little Man, and thus throughout the evening, amidst the saxophone squawks and grinding guitar breaks, there would be sampled little blasts of Shut Up Little Man or I Want to Kill. Um, this American Life uh, featured a lengthy uh, segment in episode seven from its first season, uh, exploring the topic in the context of quitting. Mm. Um, remember Devo's side project, yep. The Wipeouters? Um, 
there is a track titled Shut Up Little Man using mini samples of Ray and Peter. Mm-hmm. And San Francisco indie rock band, the Thinking Fellers Union Local 282, sampled Peter and Raymond on their 1991 album, Lovelyville. And their song, Raymond H., appeared on their following album, mm-hmm. Mothers of All Saints. Um, Judy Hopps' Noisy Neighbors in the films Zootopia are inspired by Peter and Raymond. Oh. Now, there are several episodes of Spod- SpongeBob SquarePants. Square that reference it? Uh-huh. Band wow. in Bikini Bottom um, features the phrases, you are a nuisance to my company. Um, porous Pockets. Wow. Uh, SpongeBob says, I said, go ahead. Let's do it right now. I got too much hair anyways, referring to when Raymond claimed he told the police. A um, few other episodes, the algae's always greener. Um, and then we also have uh, Nirvana apparently recorded a song called Do, Ray, and Me. I mm. never heard of that. Mm. Yep. Um, so if you want more of that, um, definitely go to the shutuplittleman.com website. I'll check that out. Yep. And lastly, I have some highlights, some liner notes um, from the Shut Up Little Man website. Would you like to hear them? Sure. They're pretty, they're pretty good. Uh, volume one, uh, titled I can kill you from a sitting position Mm -hmm. summary. Ray is drunker than usual, completely sauced. Peter is inflamed and taunting Ray with a series of feminine names, (laughs) Julie, Alice, Sally, etc. Ray wants to call the cops and Peter encourages him to do so. Ray wants him to call the cops. Uh Uh-huh. Ray drunkenly mumbles his way through a 911 call. Peter claims he is ready to fight, but insists that the fighting be done honestly. Tony arrives, <laughs> fed up. So these guys just fuck each other up. Uh-huh. It's not just Ray fucking oh, them up. No. Tony like, arrives, fed up and furious with all the hollering. Except going Tony on. was like, I ain't having any of that shit, and just knocked him the fuck out. He issues violent threats and slaps Peter around. Mm-hmm. Peter blows he up. called him Sally. About the mail. And about cooking spices. Mm-hmm. Ray considers moving out and Peter encourages him to do it or don't. Mm-hmm. There uh, is no try. The volume two uh, titled, I was a mean motherfucker in my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is great because Eddie Lee's involved. Uh, Eddie Lee sausage attempts to bring Thanksgiving cheer to Raymond. Ray declines and gets pissed off at Eddie Lee, drawing forth a flood of mumbled curses after Eddie leaves. Mitchell D., as Ardell calls and riles Raymond, Peter appears and a fight ensues regarding the rent. Ray has a bowl of fucking soup, <laughs> taunts Peter, and delivers a soliloquy about hating Peter, hating queers, and loving dogs. <laughs> Ray fixes himself a sandwich. Eddie Lee, as a Nova Express correspondent, calls and surveys Ray on alcoholism. <laughs> Volume three, titled, You Think Your Mother and Father Were a Couple of Boys? <laughs> Sorry. Ray angrily mumbles to himself until Peter pipes up. Tony and Peter amiably discuss food, hunger, weight gain, television. Ray watches some Jeopardy. Ray raises hell over his missing tools and threatens anyone who touches his shit. Ray rants about how much he hates queers. 
quote, all queers, unquote. (laughs) Ray giggles infectiously. Peter and Raymond repeatedly scream at one another to stop screaming. (laughs) An inflamed and drunken Peter returns from the jailhouse, demands that Ray find his keys, billfold, and money, and unleashes an endless stream of shut up, little man. (laughs) Volume four, a night in the stony lonesome. Peter and Raymond fight until Ray goes out for smokes. Peter bitches to Tony about a host of complaints regarding Ray. Ray drank the wine and the vodka. (laughs) Ray ruined... Four liters of it. (laughs) Ray ruined the evening's dining experience. And Ray calls the cops and put Peter in the jailhouse in his bathroom. Pete and Ray fight about Walgreens' hours of operations. Jesus. The police arrive and yell at Peter and Raymond. The cops leave. They must be sick of these motherfuckers, (laughs) dude. Jesus. The cops leave and then return once more to haul Peter away yet again. Peter returns in a drunken, frothy rage, accusing (laughs) Raymond of stealing his keys, billfold, and money. Pete and Ray hash out the history of their meeting at the low-rent Spalding building. So now we know where they met. Right. Peter Peter body slams Raymond to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking body slams. Volume five. I don't like all this. Reach around. I don't like all this cuteness. Mm -hmm. Ardell calls Raymond looking for Tony. Peter argues with Ray, claiming that the call from Ardell was Tony. Tony appears and a harmonious domestic scene unfolds. Tony shares the doings of his workday with Peter and Ray over more beers. Peter and Ray fight over cleaning the bedroom, cleaning the bathroom, cooking dinner, playing records, and paying the rent. Eddie Lee lays into Pete and Ray for their endless fighting at 4 a.m. Ray drunkenly raves about Peter touching and stealing his shit. An audible fist fight erupts. Ray prepares to go to the hospital. (laughs) Jesus, it's like fucking Peter pieced him up more of the times than not. Yeah, I think Peter had the upper hand, even wow. though he was the, you know, the queen. <laughs> uh, volume six titled Stop Stealing My Vodka. Summary, Peter calls the San Francisco Police Department claiming to the cops that they let Raymond go. Ray froths on about wanting to kill queers, all queers, <laughs> and not wanting to watch queer shit on television. He's being held hostage by a queer. That's why he hates him so much. Jesus. An audible fist fight ensues. Peter taunts Raymond by calling him lady, she, she girl, and sister. Peter badgers Ray about cutting his toenails and about being friendless. A drunken and feverishly angry Peter returns from jail and eggs Ray on to call the police on him again. Ray calls the cops and Peter gets on the phone line to argue with them. The police arrive again. They leave. The cops return yet again and try a little couples therapy. Jesus Christ, what is happening here? The cops leave. Finally frustrated by the repeat calls and visitations, a new set of cops. Return once more and issue several exasperated one-liners. Quit drinking and go to bed. Jesus, man! Like this is like this is like summer camp shit. Volume seven. This is the last one. The Peter and Tony interview summary. This interview features Peter and Tony, Pete and Ray's transient roommate, and was conducted by Robert Southen, 
a brave and inspired young man for New Zealand radio station BFM. The exchange took place at the Pepto Palace not long after Raymond Huffman, the little man, had passed from the dive bar of this earth and gained entry into the big tavern in the sky. (laughs) The interview proves to be at least as funny, disturbing, and provocative as the original recordings. Highlights, Peter maps out Raymond's biography in a mocking manner. He was a deputy sheriff carrying a gun at the age of 14. Tony fondly and proudly reminisces about beating Ray and putting him into the hospital. I beat his ass more than once. Peter discusses his life as an advertising executive. The interviewer points out some wounds on the wall where Peter and Raymond had damaged the building while fighting. Peter tells the interview interviewer to drink up so they can all reenact the drunken violence of the Raymond <laughs> area. Come on, we got to get drunk so we can do it again. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. So there you have it. That is wow. Shut Up Little Man. Intense stuff, dude. I thought somebody was going to die in well, like an exchange. They, they did. Yeah, from alcohol poisoning. I mean, alcohol yeah. drinking is quite anticlimactic, but okay. Yeah. But, I mean, pretty cool story. It's a little shitty, but not shitty enough for anybody to care because they were kind of shitty. Peter being the fucking... The, you know, the head honcho, the big dick and all this is kind of funny. Yeah. But I could see why Ray was a little, was like a little old pissy drunk man. He's basically getting slapped around by, you know, by a gay guy. Yeah. It's that just, may or may not have been in World War II. Yeah. <laughs> or he, Vietnam he or definitely, Korea. He definitely uh, was not in World War II. Yeah. Um, it's just interesting because you, I mean, just from that little snippet there, we realized that at one point Peter had a job. And yeah, it was a marketing executive. Yeah, advertising. And you think, uh, wonder where this all fell apart and how he ended up. Well, the drinking. Know. Yeah. Well, he, he took, what's his name, his thing a little too far, Mad Men. Went a little too, yeah. went a little too Mad Men. <laughs> he did. He went full on Mad Men. Yeah. Um, but in my opinion, um, this is another close one between three to four stars. And I'm going to confidently say three and a half stars. Cool. Um, it's a very, very interesting documentary in the aspect that you have the classic fly on the wall feeling watching all of this shit go down. Yeah. And there are parts when I watched it before I transcribed it where I would rewind it and say, what did he just say? Because you want to make sure you're getting every second of it. Because um, you are, you feel like you're, you know, you feel like you're there. Uh, and again, when it goes back to whether this is art, that's subjective in my opinion. Fuck yeah, it's art. Cool. And it's it's definitely something that had a huge impact on a lot of people. I mean, think about all the times people talk about following a subject on Reddit. Um, it's kind of like the same thing, you know? I know one subject I followed on Reddit. <laughs> You're Every redacted. Day. You're redacted. Um, anyway, highly recommend it. And uh, Dave, uh, if you don't mind, can you please tell all of our listeners and new listeners where they can find us? Yes, all right. You can find us. If you want to find us on Twitter, we are down on the docks. If you want to find us on Instagram, we are down on the docks pod. And if you want to send us an email, down on the docks at gmail.com. The best way you can help us out is to leave us a review on either spot on either Spotify or iTunes. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and read one of these. Oh, did iTunes. we get a new one? We got a new one from oh. Face Permanent Makeup on 4623. Love this podcast! Exclamation point. I love their take on documentaries. 
Mostly mine, probably. Some I've seen and others I have not. It's hysterical, the commentary and breakdown of each one. You're literally waiting for the next punchline on something that is already crazy. I look forward to listening to it on my drive to work every week. I love it. Thank you so much. Face permanent makeup. Thank you, face permanent makeup. FPM. And uh, lastly, Dave, if you don't uh, uh, mind, can you recall who is sponsoring this episode? This episode is sponsored by Broccoli Farms. You can find them on Instagram at broccolifarm619. Don't forget, down in the docks, D-O-C-S, for 15% off your next gift. FTP, FTP. first-time patient. That's That's a wrap for this week. We will see you next week for episode 37. Have a great week, everybody.